Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Monday morning. What a weekend of sports. The undefeated fall. The winless prevail. What a day. The Jets and Giants both get their first wins. Giants couldn't stop Taysom Hill. That was an awesome touchdown run. He had two. One was good. One was awesome. Running over four guys to score. Phenomenal. But the Giants win an OT and the Jets win an OT. Zach Wilson. He rolled right again and again and again. He threw two touchdowns rolling right. He threw a third pass over 50 yards rolling right. I would say that if your job is to contain him and keep him in the pocket so he doesn't roll right and throw, you'd better do your job. Jets beat the Titans. He threw for almost 300 yards in that game. They get their first win. Uh, plenty of stuff going on. The Cardinals beat the Rams in the Battle of Unbeatens, and it wasn't close. There was no drama. It was a bad game, honestly. Uh, the Cardinals are 4-0. There were five teams at 3-0. The Cardinals get to 4-0. The only other team that could pull it off is the Raiders tonight when they play the Chargers. They're 3-0. Broncos got their first loss. Man, once Bridge, their offense wasn't doing well, and when Bridgewater went out, it was over. Concussion, helmet-to-helmet. They missed. Uh, they definitely missed him. I don't know that they would have won the game anyway. They weren't really move. They weren't they seven points and a half. Isn't exactly explosive, but you know, it's more points than zero points and a half. That's for sure. That's what they got in the second half without him. All right, we'll get to all the NFL coming up. We will get to the uh, the baseball uh, wild card. Four teams for two spots in the American League. Of course, the Yankees and the Red and the Red Sox win. So New York's going to Boston for the wild card game Tuesday. The Giants do their thing. They win again. They close out the Dodgers, despite the fact the Dodgers won. So the Giants win the West. Dodgers will host the Cardinals in the wild card game. If I were the Braves and the Brewers, I would be pumped that I'm not facing the Dodgers, the Giants, or the Cardinals. The Cardinals had their 17-game win streak. The Dodgers win 106 games. The Giants win 107. Yeah, the Braves and Brewers should be pumped to play each other. And if one of them had been in the World Series, I'm going to be really disappointed. Don't need you guys there. You're not the best teams. Don't, don't do that. Although you never know in the baseball playoffs with the pitching. You, you get a couple hot starting pitchers and everything changes. All right, enough of that. Let's get to it. Uh, the Utah Jazz, they're playing the first preseason game tonight in San Antonio. Uh, Eric Pascal, one of the new guys on the team. I would expect he gets a lot of minutes and just see what he does. Here he is with the media. Well, Eric, you've obviously been around some of these guys, but what's kind of been the first week as an actual teammate and kind of through training camp? Uh, it's been fun. Um, again, it's, it's obviously a new team, new start. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's been cool. It's a good vibe around here. Um, I like it. Um, I'm happy to be here, and I'm excited to get the season started. I've been asking a few of the new guys who come, like, when we talked to Hassan on content day, he was talking about meeting Coach Q for the first time and how he came in like, you know, having seen the memes and the gifts and thinking he was like this super intense, angry guy all the time and then like <laughs> him not being like that in real life. Just wondering uh, what your first impressions were of Coach Q when you met him. It's about the same, as Hassan said. Um, again, playing against the Jazz, you, you see him on the sideline with his uh, arms folded and you're like, damn, this dude's super intense. But when I started to talk to him, it was like, it was great. It was uh Great conversation, and you see he's actually a real cool guy and laid back, and obviously he cares about the game of basketball, but um, he's cool to be around, for sure. Is there anyone else on the team that kind of like you were surprised by who they actually were off the court versus on the court? Um, Mike Conley a little bit, I would say. Um, just strictly of, I didn't know, like he plays Warzone. I didn't know like he really plays Warzone that much. Um, I already know who Sean was, everybody else, but I think Mike Conley surprised me the most. 
So speaking of video games, uh, Don told us the other day that he always destroyed you in NBA 2K. Is this is this correct? Oh my God. If he wants to believe that, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not agreeing to that. But if he if that makes him happy at the end of the day, go ahead. I'm not. He didn't used to destroy me. I can say that. He said he would often play with Rudy Gay. Is that true? Yeah, he would. He would. It was, it was, it's weird because we really used to play like with Rudy Gay, and now we're playing with him in real life. So it's it's definitely weird. But what was what was uh, Rudy's response to that when you guys told him that? He was like, "Oh, the first thing he said was like, oh, 'Oh, I'm not that old.'" And I was like, uh, "If you think about it, ten years ago, you were 25. I was 15. Like, you know what I'm saying? So uh, you're pretty old, Rudy. But he he." He always says like he's not that old, but he is. He's he's a little old, uh, old head of the team. Sorry about that. Speaking of Rudy, um, his injury is going to keep him out for the, at least the first part of the regular season. Do you feel like that's giving you more of an opportunity? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, but again, I'm, I'm just trying to prove myself regardless. I mean, it, if he was hurt or not. So again, I just got to get my foot in the door, uh, bring some intensity, toughness, and uh, do that every day regardless of who's who's hurt or not. You mentioned that uh, Don had told you that like his advice for you is one, play defense, two, turn those mid-rangers into threes. What's been like, now you've been through OTAs, you've been through training camp, you've mm-hmm. been through a few other practices, kind of what's been the acclimation process? Uh, do you feel like you're getting more comfortable with what they do here? Uh, yeah, I am. It's still rough not be able to shoot my mid-range because that's like my bread and butter. But uh, again, I've been, I've been trying to uh, adjust to it. It's so hard. Because like even just like coming off a ball screen, I know it's there. Like I know my mid range is there, and I know it's like for me, it's like a layup. Like I, I love a mid range jumper, but you got, at the end of the day, you got to realize like they don't shoot mid range, so it's hard. So I got to start adjusting to it. But uh, I've been adjusting well. I, I, I've been constantly thinking like uh, can't shoot my midi, so either go to the basket or shoot this three. Other than other than that, like what's what's kind of the biggest difference from uh, the system you were playing in Golden State? Oh, uh, it's pretty similar. I mean, I I compare this though more to uh, Villanova, just because uh, me me and Coach Quinn talked about it, and uh, we were just I was just saying like he wants to shoot a lot of threes, and Villanova we broke the NCAA record of like most threes in the season, so uh, it's very similar to that. So it's not it's not that big of an adjustment for me to uh, come into this system. You talked about it, the mid range being your bread and butter. Is he kind of giving you like, hey, there will be a time it could be there, or is it, are you just like, all right, it's out of my arsenal completely? In the back of my head, it's in my arsenal, but uh, I know it's there if I need it, if I absolutely need it. But I've been trying to just, you know what I'm saying, do what coach says. So not really a mid-range jumper, no long twos, just either a layup or a three. I think we have a few questions from Zoom. Sarah, Todd, do you want to go ahead? Eric, uh, when you're heading into preseason and you're trying to get acclimated with the team, like you said, and adjust your game, kind of what are your goals for the four games? Um. Honestly, just go out there, play hard, uh, have some fun. I mean, again, it, it, you got to establish yourself. Every year is different. So for me, it's literally just going out there, having fun, and uh, playing hard and bring some toughness, play some defense, maybe hit a few threes. I mean, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, there's Eric Pascal, one of the new guys, and here's one of the veterans, Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year. Here's Jordan. Heading into another season, like when the preseason comes, does it feel different? Uh, a little bit, cause I don't even know. Last year we didn't have many preseason games either. I feel like we well, we got four this year, five, four, yeah. Uh, 
All it is, is for real, is just preparing, you know, putting in stuff uh, that we're going to use during the year. Uh, we got new additions. We got new teams. That we all trying to, like, put all that stuff in during this point of period of time. Um, and just trying to get a flow so we get rolling in the regular season. But for me, it feels, it feels great. Um, definitely uh, been a good training camp, good uh, and a lot of teaching from coaching standpoint and, you know, players communicating, stuff like that. So I think it's been great. Uh, and going into the regular season, it's, it's going to help us a lot. How do things kind of start to get tailored? Like, do practices change at all as, like, games start getting closer? Uh, I feel like we kind of stayed on the same, you know, practice regimen. A lot of teaching, beginning, and then playing. Um, you know, you, it, the only way you're going to get, you know, to be able to learn is kind of like on the fly. Coach throwing us in those situations in, the, in, uh, in practice, um, what other teams going to do and stuff like that so we continue to be prepared. But um, I feel like we're doing a good job of that right now. Uh, we saw on the Zoom practice yesterday, Jared kind of hit, I think it was Mike, with <laughs> yeah. a pretty nasty crossover, finished over Rudy. Are those plays been normal for him during this whole training camp? Um, yeah, he been, uh, he been playing really well. He has a great pace. He's shifty. He's able to get to his spots, being able to finish. And um, Like I said, this training camp is going to be big for him in terms of learning and, uh, you know, on the fly and, and getting there and hoop. Uh, and then for Mike, Mike's sake, he, uh, you know, his legs and stuff don't turn on until about seven and, and after that. So uh, <laughs> take, take, take what you want from that, that film. But, you know, he's uh, – but Jared has been a, uh, a great, you know, uh, player through this whole training camp, playing and learning and everything. So it's been really good for him. Obviously, we didn't know you when you were starting off with the Lakers and whatnot, but it feels like your personality, at least from a distance, mm -hmm. has kind of broken out of its shell almost. You've gotten more comfortable. What's kind of been the process of that coming out and just being, I don't know, the chill guy that you are? Uh, I mean, i kind of always been like this in L.A. Just, uh, you know, I might have been a little bit more uh, turned up when I was in uh, L.A., but um, you know, just feeling comfortable, you know, with my teammates. I'm not, you know, too comfortable or anything where, you know, <laughs> stuff. But, um, you know, just my teammates, coaches, um, they have gave me ability, you know, speak to people, talk to people, um, you know, have some kind of leadership role, knowing that I've been in the league for a little bit longer now. And, you know, I think that comes with a little bit more comfortability as well, you know, being around the game. Uh, in the league for eight years now, um, you know, you kind of transition into a vet role, a super vet role, um, kind of communicating, teaching, and uh, sharing stories that, you know, you've had with, you know, other teammates and uh, other teams and, you know, the process of the whole league and stuff like that. So that's why I feel like I'm getting comfortable in, in that part of the area. And, you know, I'm always free-minded and free-spirited, so... Got to keep it going. You know, we missing George Niang, loud, annoying voice. Uh, but I know he's bringing it out there in Philly. <laughs> Does it feel like you've been in the league eight years? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's crazy. The time flew by so fast, man. What's it, uh, has there been, like, kind of a sense among the guys that, like, things feel different now that, like, you know, you're going to games and there's going to be people there, like, right at the beginning of the season now that, like, you guys are, I don't know, like, like, 
What's the has has the day to day process changed at all? Like, is there less testing now going on with everyone vaccinated? Like, uh, I think so. I don't know. I haven't really uh protocols. I don't even think they came out. I kind of wait for uh, you know those guys to kind of send me a text and tell me what's going on. I halfway read that. I just got to read the times and they tell us what time we testing or whatever. And you know I'm there. But uh, in terms of like the fans and stuff, um. Oh, I'm excited about it, to be honest with you. We we packed the crowd out there in the playoffs, so I feel like it's not going to be no different. If anything, it brings some more excitement, some more energy, and, um, you know, just great for us, to be honest with you. It gives us some way more home court advantage. We get, what is it, the 70, 72 hours you got to provide with a negative test and or you be vaccinated. So, I mean, I said that in, uh, in media day. You're going to miss the best show. You know, we're going to go out there and, you know, rack up wins in the regular season and, um, you know, put on a show for you guys. All right, we'll move to Zoom. Tom, go ahead. Is he mute? Tom, can you hear me? You can go ahead. Yeah. Uh, does it – I know it's preseason, but does it ever get old for you facing the Spurs? Ah. Uh, uh, man, no, never. It's always good to go back home, uh, play against the Spurs, see my family, see my friends. Um, that arena almost, you know, feels like uh, another home for me as well, you know, because my parents be there close to the bench and uh, all my friends, I can see them in the stands and family members. So I never get tired of going back. Uh, and, you know, I love it. And I never get tired of preseason either. I, just love to hoop. Will you be able to get out and interact with family and friends or, uh, or go to any place that you'd like to go to? Um, I hope so because, I mean, I'll probably end up going to, like, Wayne's Wings or something, uh, get some chicken wings, probably take my daughter out to ice cream if we're able to do that. So, um, you know, but we'll see. I love going back to San Antonio, see all my folks. Uh, it's a big one for me. Um, you know, it's kind of been, uh, you know, it's, uh, when my, one of my best friends died, uh, on the fourth. So, uh, on my preseason game when I was with the Lakers and, um, so going back, uh, kind of mean a little bit more, uh, even though it's a preseason game, just, you know, being there, being able to support, uh, you know, his brother and his family as well. So, um, no, it's a big one. I'm so sorry. Was that someone you played with, or? Oh uh, yeah, it's someone I grew up with. Um, someone that uh, you know mentored me. Someone that I looked up to. Uh, his name was Cameron Moore. Um, and yeah. So sorry for your loss. Oh man. So <clears throat> sorry. All right. That's yep. it. Appreciate it. Should Jordan can ask you one more? Is this new? Yeah. Yeah. Face that. Yeah. What do you, th as the fashion guy, what do you think of this black and white trend that they're going on? I love it. You see what I'm in right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, can I ask, what is this? It says, uh, forgive me love, and then upside down is pain. Yeah. All right, they're the Jazz with the media. They've got the Spurs tonight. When we come back, we're going to hear from the Aggies after the loss to BYU. Utah State is 3-2. and two. Personally, I think they have a great shot at seven wins. I think they have a pretty good shot at eight wins. Uh, can't rule nine out. I wouldn't predict it, but you can't rule it out. We'll hear from the Aggies next. Ready, 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 ready,
It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So Utah State wins three straight games to start the season, and then lose to Boise State and BYU. The offense has definitely slowed down. It has twice as many points in the Air Force win as they had in the BYU and Boise State losses combined. There's film on you. People start to catch up to you. Uh, They're not going to let Devin Tompkins beat him deep all the time. He did make some plays against BYU, though. He wasn't totally shut down. Uh, Here's Devin Tompkins after the game. Offense started to get it going there in the third quarter and into the fourth quarter as well. What were you able to do to try to generate some offense there in the the second half? Um, Really, we just believed, you know, we just kept on telling ourselves we're still in this game. And, you know, from the scoreboard, we were still in the game, 13-24. So we just played hard like we know how to do, you know, played 60 minutes of football. That's all we know how to do. Curious, DT, were they doing anything out there that differently than what you had seen on film during the course of the week? Uh, nothing at all. They gave us everything that we wanted. Uh, man coverage, cover two, a little bit of cover three sometimes. So it was everything that we knew they were going to do. When you uh, you had some opportunities out there and it felt like uh, you guys were getting it going in the second half, um, what was it that BYU – I mean, I, what was it that kind of got that offense cooking a little bit? Because it seemed like first half was a bit of a struggle, uh, but then the passing game really opened up for you. What did you see there in the second half? Um, just all the all the things that were available to us in the first half. You know, we just came – like the OC Coach Tucker came down, you know, telling us what he saw out there, and then we saw the same exact thing. So we just wanted to execute whatever he saw, and that's what we did. DT, I- Obviously, a three-no start to to get off to that good start and back-to-back losses. Now, what what's the message in the locker room, and and how are you guys responding? Take over the conference. That's all we can do. You know, lost one one big one to Boise, but just went out the rest of these games and then see whatever uh, God has for us after this. Um, any worries about? Uh this team and the morale of this team because I know you guys have, have handled a lot. You're a resilient team. You, you anticipate you guys will bounce back nicely? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, we got a lot of work to do, especially with this bye week, you know, gives us time to get the people that are beat up a little bit, some, uh, you know, get them get them back healthy and everything, get them back on the field. And there's just so much more work that we need to do. You know, that's all that this game showed us. And the Boise State game is just we got a lot to clean up. Uh, two questions for you, DT. You, you mentioned the bye week, and, I, and I've got to believe that that bye week may come at a good time to get some guys healthy. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. You know, we just – it's five games straight, you know. We're beat. We're, we're a little sore right now, so, you know, it would be good for us to get our bodies back together and, you know, go out here on the week after and play UNLV and get us another W under our belt. And, and the second question is, uh, you know, it, it feels like there's maybe just small little things that, uh, that are, that are okay. not quite clicking all the way. Is that what you see as well, just the, the, the minute details that can make the difference in being successful or not? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's those little itty-bitty-bitty details, you know, like just the little things. You know, we shoot our – one thing we have a problem with is shooting ourselves in the foot on offense sometimes, you know, whether it's penalties or fumbles or interceptions, things of that nature. So just got to clean up the little minor details. And I think we'll be, you know, and we'll be just fine, you know, playing great football. BYU's just a good team. 
Do you feel like over the last, you know, two or three weeks the teams are defending you a little bit differently than maybe at the first of the season? Um, not not necessarily. I mean, from my end, I don't really feel like they are. You know, I feel like, you know, same thing, cover one sometimes, cover two, depending on how they play. Sometimes they'll have a person outside and inside bracking me a little bit. But, you know, those are things that we can defeat with our offense all day. Talk about your touchdown catch. Uh, it looked like a little bit of an inside fade route, and uh, you got the step. Oh, yeah, it was a slam go. I saw him bite just a little bit that I needed and shot straight back to the back pylon. That's what we worked on all week in practice. You don't need much. When you see a guy kind of slip for a second, do you kind of smile at yourself like, I got him? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, that, that, makes me, that makes me light up every time. When I see him just take that little step inside, that's all I need. Do you enjoy, DT, the, the physical nature of this game in terms of you know, making those contested catches? I remember one down the sideline where you're on a go route and, and the, the, as you're going to the field, the, the defender was able to kind of knock the ball out. But you've got, I mean, for not being very big, you are one of the toughest sons of guns we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I play, I, you know, I got, I got a lot I'm playing for right now. You know, my kids, my mother, everybody back at home, you know, there's a lot of people that actually depend on me, so. You know, I'm not just playing for, you know, Utah State at the end of the day. I'm playing for my last name and everything that comes with it. You know, one thing, and this is, you know, I, I, I don't get a chance to go to a lot of practices, but just seeing your demeanor on the sideline, how you handle yourself inside the huddle, it feels like you've really developed into a leader on this team. Is that a role that you've embraced and, and you've yeah. enjoyed? Because you're kind of the hype man over on the sideline. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, I, I, I just I love this, this atmosphere. I love this team, you know, and um, – you know, I, I know that I'm a, I'm a big-time player, you know, for this team. So I know if they if my teammates see me up and, you know, upbeat and feeling good and everything and hype, that'll get them hype and stuff like that. So I just want to keep my energy good on the sidelines. It was good to see your mate Kyle Van Leeuwen get out there and get a few catches tonight. And obviously, oh, yeah. Brandon, your inside receiving game is just really magical. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, especially getting Kyle out there. You know, he's, he's a person that, you know, definitely in the first three games or the first four games, Definitely could have got him some more, uh, you know, playing time, and that was the that was definitely the um, the goal this weekend. As you can see, he he's uncoverable. Yeah. Uh, any plans for the bye week? You just hanging out here in Logan? Are you gonna be able to get home a bit? Uh, no, I'm gonna just stay out here in Logan, chill with my son, and just get ready, you know, for this week after. Just get this taste out of my mouth. These two losses, and you know, just keep on finishing out the season. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks, DT. Thank you guys so much. All right, there is Devin Tompkins. Now here's the optimistic head coach, Blake Anderson. And honestly, looking at their schedule, they're 3-2 and two now. They've got a bye week. They ought to beat UNLV. They ought to beat New Mexico. They ought to beat New Mexico State. So that's six wins in bowl eligibility. That would leave you at 6-2. and two. Now you just have to, you know, if you split the other four games, you're at 8-4. and four. So I would think Utah State is still going to have a good season here. they got a bye week now. Here's head coach, Blake Anderson. Coach, we talked to you at halftime. You felt like you'd, you're in the right place. You're doing good things. It's just tackling. And we're kind of holding you back. And uh, kind of felt like that was also the theme in the second half as well. What was your perspective? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think so. We, we, had a couple, we had a couple big mistakes that cost us. Thought when we got it to a seven-point game, you know, honestly, in my head, we got it right where we wanted to be. Felt like uh, our conditioning was starting to show up. You could tell there was some fatigue setting in on their sideline. And uh, if we could get a stop, I, I really felt like the momentum had shifted, shifted to us in a big way. Um, and, and that's where our guys have been all year and, and comfortable with that situation. But um, the big run, we, we literally, we were aligned wrong. We're trying to get aligned correctly, snap the ball, and we end up out of two gaps. And the next thing you know, the dude's in the end zone. And just, just it's a mistake you can't make. It's a mistake you definitely can't make at that particular 
point in the game, and at that point you got clock working against you basically in every every area. Obviously, Bonner going down changed some things for us as well. So um, frustrating. Uh, we played much better than we did a week ago, a lot less mistakes than we had a week ago, but still some costly ones in key key situations that uh, make it very tough to beat a team of that caliber. That's that's a really good football team, and they are they're playing good football. So frustrating tonight in that sense talk about uh, logan where, where is he at uh, what was the, what happened on that play you know a hyperextended knee uh really awkward uh, as he's throwing the ball uh, and the hit happened there um too early to tell exactly what that looks like i think he's going to be okay don't know what kind of time frame that's going to be structurally he tested okay but we'll still get an mri and really look but it, it was awkward and he he could not return at that point and, and luckily we've got an open week to possibly get him get him healthy um we'll just have to wait and see i mean i mean logan bonner obviously but for the rest of your team this bye week seems like it couldn't come at a better time yeah a lot of physical football here our 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 schedule has been difficult some very physical teams big physical teams Uh, when you consider just the battles that we've had up front uh we we need this desperately we need to get fresh and and kind of reset our mind um and hope that as we go into the conference stretch that uh, we can be a little closer to uh, to full strength. We, we were missing a few guys tonight in, in, in key spots that, that we need back. And some guys that are playing need need to be fresh and healthy. And, and that's that's all this week's going to be about that and, and just making some corrections. Did you have a sense coming in, Coach, that uh, you know 35 carries for only 22 yards on the ground? Did you have a sense that it was going to be tough sledding uh, on the ground tonight? Or is that a little bit disappointing in, in, in the output there? Well, it's disappointing. I'd like to have more, but we also felt like that our our advantage was our speed out in space, and we utilized that to move the ball when we did move it. Um, you know, and again, and, and battle to get ourselves back into uh, a one possession game, which is saying a lot against who we're playing. But they, they've not uh, been easy for anybody to run the ball against. They're they're massive. They do a good job schematically, able to shed blocks, and would have liked to have seen us run it a little bit better. But but it doesn't surprise me that it was as big of a challenge as it was looking ahead um and you mentioned you know what you'll be doing during this uh during this off week as well but this has been a resilient team they've handled a lot of adversity um you get the sense in that locker room this guy this team's ready to respond and get back into mountain west conference play it seems like Uh, i do absolutely frustrated disappointed no doubt this is a big game and and you could you could feel the gravity of the week. I mean, these guys get it, and and I, I could not. I mean, the, the crowd was amazing. This is this is a, an unbelievable place, and it did not disappoint tonight. And and our guys battled all the way through. I mean, they never gave up, never got down. Uh, they had the right attitudes coming out the field, the locker room, the body language, disappointment, which you would expect. But, man, this is this is a group that's going to keep battling. There's a lot of good football ahead of us. There's a lot of games that we can win, and we're not out of anything. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get them healthy and get them ready to go. I have zero doubt this this group will continue to work and continue to improve and play and win a lot of games down the stretch. You know, Coach, I it, it, per, perhaps that that drive in the. Uh, in the fourth quarter personified that. I mean, you're backed up starting at the 10. You have, what, four different reviews. Uh, just so much going on there, and including some stuff with uh, with some officials on the sideline that were – I'm not sure what was going on there, but uh, you just kept battling through it, and then you get it in the end zone and get it to a one-score game. I mean, it, it sort of epitomizes the mentality of this team, I think. 
Yeah, that's who this this group is, and I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't be more proud. I mean, I'm disappointed with the mistakes and disappointed with the loss, but I'm not disappointed in the guys. I mean, this is a group that I think probably 99 percent of the country said we'd be one and four right now. We're sitting here at three and two, and we just battled the number 13 team in the country to a one possession game late, and uh, and battled back because we were down early. This group will battle. They will fight. They will work. They are positive. They care about each other. We're getting better. We didn't win tonight, but if 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 I'm a Utah State fan right now, I look at this team. I'm like, man, I ain't missing a snap. I I, I love this group, and and this is going to be a lot of fun as we continue to develop this group, and we're going to recruit and develop for the future. This 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 rivalry, this game, it's going to be a little bit different for the boys in Provo in the future. I can promise you. Right now, we're a little bit down. We're a little bit out, man. But that will not stay that way. We we will recruit and develop. It's going to be a fun game in the future, and we're going to make them earn everything they get. Speaking of that, is this a big week, uh, that bye week? Is that a big week for recruiting for you guys? It is. It is. I mean, it's an opportunity to get out and go see some guys. We really haven't had that uh, chance to this point. It's uh, an opportunity to maybe make some final decisions on guys, get a chance to see them in person, maybe get to see them play. But uh, honestly, mainly this this week is about refreshing uh, both coaches and players just kind of we haven't had a break in quite a while we've been grinding that hard refresh regroup uh, tendencies and self-scout and making sure as we do get into heavy dose of conference play that, that we um, we're able to uh, make sure we go into it fresh both physically and then mentally and schematically make sure that we're on the right page as well you know I was going to ask you about that coach uh, you, you do now get into the heavy part of the of the conference schedule and lot to play for still and so i gotta believe that uh, the message out there is hey all right we got these first five down a lot of people did think one and four or you know maybe you could get to two and three but you're three and two and you still got a, a really good chance to win this side of the division so you know you keep that one game at a time mentality and and i gotta believe that that's really the message is hey we got a long way to go here and we got a lot of good stuff in front of us yeah just super proud and Encouraging these guys to keep working and build them up, get them healthy, and let's roll. And one one week at a time, just try to play better ball. If we just keep improving, just the improvements from last week, we just keep improving. Uh, there's a ton left to play for with this group, and they're a fun group to be around. So this uh, this comes at a good time, but uh, we come out of this and, and we we go to work, and let's just see where this thing lands. I'm I could not be more proud about where we're at with year one, new staff, new schemes, new people. Uh, this is. Um, this is a lot to build on coach appreciate your time thanks for joining us and uh, look forward to catching him again here soon thanks guys there is head coach blake anderson of the utah state aggies when we come back we'll hear from the cougars stay with us it's game week for the cougars and the zone sports network is getting you ready for kickoff it ain't over till it's over it's back-to-back mountain west conference opponents for the cougars as they welcome in boise state to lavelle edwards stadium for a showdown against the broncos listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the cougar pregame show saturday at 12 30 with the postgame show immediately following the game from Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to hear from BYU after their win over Utah State. They are now 5-0. and They are ranked 10th in the nation. They moved up three spots. A lot of teams right in front of them lost. Florida, Kentucky, oof. 
that that helped him pick up a spot right there. Uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati was impressive beating Notre Dame. We'll get to all that a little later in the show. Right now, I want to hear from the Cougars. We're going to start with Ben Bywater. The defense came up big, I thought. With Conover coming in a quarterback, with Romney hurt, how's the offense going to move the ball? Well, you have the lead if the defense just shuts them down. They shut them out in the second half, but they came close, and they did enough, certainly. Here is Ben Bywater, BYU linebacker, Olympus high kid, had to fill in when Peely went down, got his chance. Here's Ben Bywater after the win over Utah State. What adjustments did the defense make in the second half to get off the field? Definitely. I mean, we, uh, towards the third end of the third quarter, we uh, started playing a little bit more drop eight um, just because we knew that they were going to start throwing the ball. So, I mean, it's all it's all scheme-based. And so if you uh, we, we started shutting down the run in that third quarter, so they had no other option but to pass. So that was kind of the game plan, and uh, it worked out for us. Your team only gave up 22 yards on the ground on 35 carries. What does that say about the run defense that you were able to just shut them down that completely? Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of how the guys the guys played, especially. I mean, these, these we've worked hard all offseason, so for us to, to go in there and dominate the line of scrimmage like that, it's just a testament of our hard work. So, you know, I'm proud of those guys, and we got a great scout team, a great, you know, great scheme in general with the coaches. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that explains why. Five games into the season now, and you guys still have not trailed an opponent at any point this season. What, what does that say about how this team is, is performing from the start of the game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just shows we're, we're coming out. We're coming out hot, confident. So, I mean, it's definitely – there's pros and cons of both, right? You want to be in tough situations so that you can, you know, bounce back. But, you know, I'm proud of our guys. And, and for us not to trail is, is something to, you know, hang our heads high about. So, I mean, I'm proud of us for doing that. And it just shows that our offense and our defense, we're a complete team. So. Who were some of the guys in the locker room when it was known that Baylor was going to be out the rest of the game? Who were some of the guys that maybe stepped up vocally and said, like, hey, stay, keep your head on swivel, keep Positive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the captains, right? I mean, Peyton Wilgar, Keenan Peely. I mean, I mean, those guys. I mean, we we heard uh, when Baylor was out. I mean, that's that's tough. Baylor's a great player, so um, I mean, but we believe in Jake, right? So Jake Jake came in, did a great job, didn't turn the ball over, and was able to march down the field and get a few scores. So I mean, the whole team stepped up in general, but obviously, we looked to our captains to to lead us through those. Personally, what's it like better. when you when you get those third downs and they get it by an inch or a foot or whatever, and it's just over and over, and you're just on the field forever? Definitely. I mean, those. I mean, it's it's a game of inches, right? Football is. So you get them in those third downs, and you want to hold them fourth down. And you know, we were able to get a fourth down stop here, and, and I'm proud of us for doing that. But you just keep playing, right? And we got a lot of guys. We'll rotate, and they're they're high tempo teams. So for us to go in there and, and have a lot of guys rotating and everyone's executing for us to put up, you know, our points and, and hold them to what we did. I'm really proud of how everybody played. I want to ask personally, you had three TFLs tonight. You, you feel like you bounced back a little bit from last week and kind of got your feet under you and got going? Definitely. I mean, there's always things you can do every week to elevate your game. So that was something after last week. I mean, you know, I had eight tackles last week. I felt good, but I mean, there's always things, right? I wanted to be a little bit more aggressive. So obviously I talked with the team, you know, I talked with the team therapist about it, some things that could help me personally, but and we got a great scout team, great coaches. I mean, and for me to be up in that flex position and then be able to fall out on run, I mean, those those opportunities that are created come from schemes. So great D-line, they did great chewing up the blocks, and then, you know, it frees me up to go to go get those TFLs. So. Anything else for Ben? 
What do you think of Ty's performance tonight? I mean, you had a pretty good view from the sideline, but did you yeah. ever go like, hey, quit scoring so quickly? <laughs> no, Tyler Algier is a stud. I mean, he's a freak athlete. I, I love being his teammate. I mean, he's a guy that gives full effort. So Tyler Algier is, uh, you know, I, I hope he goes high in the draft. And so I really, I really like the way he plays. He's tough. He's physical. He's strong. And he works hard. So, I mean, you can look up to that guy in multiple ways. There's Ben Bywater now. Here's the third-string quarterback, Jacob Conover. Had to play the whole second half. Five of nine, 45 yards, got them points they needed, didn't turn the ball over, didn't give the Aggies anything easy, won the game. Will they need more against Boise State? Yes. Will they need it from him? Unknown. I would expect Romney doesn't go, but I don't know that. Maybe Hall will be back after missing two games, or maybe Conover's got to be the guy. Here's Jacob Conover. Jacob, you wanted this opportunity. What was it like? I mean, it's pretty surreal, you know, just the moment I've been preparing for, and it was just a great team win. Talk about knowing when you found out that Baylor was out and it was going to be yours, you know, your team at that point. What, what, what went through your head? What did you have to do mentally to, to be ready? Because you knew you, had, you could go out at, that, at any moment. You know, they were coming after Baylor hard. They had a good defensive scheme, and he took some shots, and so I was just ready. Um, the players knew uh, I was going to go in after that, after, you know, the hit at halftime, but they just showed their trust in me. I had trust in them, and it was like a big family just rocking and rolling. Tyler had an incredible performance for you guys in the backfield, over 200 yards rushing. How much does that help you when you're coming in for the first time like that to have somebody like him in the backfield with you? I think each and every player knows the guy right next to him is accountable for his own actions and just ready to make plays. Um, especially the O-line up front, guys stepped up everywhere tonight, and Tyler especially. When they called a pass play on your first play as a collegiate quarterback, what kind of confidence did that give you, or what message did that send? You know, I know Coach A-Rod trusts each and every one of us. He trusts Jaron, he trusts Bailey, he trusts me, he trusts Soldier. And he, you know, it doesn't skip a beat. The offense will skip a beat, uh, no matter who's at the helm. What were some of the conversations you had with Aaron Roderick on the phone uh, in, in between those drives, after the first couple drives? You know, it was very positive. He, you know, explained to me what we were going to do and just how we were going to rock and roll and manage the game. What does it do for you when you got a guy like Tyler Algier to hand the ball off to? You know, it's it's awesome. You know, it's it's so demoralizing for a defense to know someone can just run it right down your throat. I don't know what's going to end up happening, but does anything change for you going into this next week as you guys prepare for, for Boise State? You know, preparation stays the same. You know, every guy who's not the starter has to prepare like he's going to. And so this week, you know, it's going to be nice to watch General Conference tomorrow and Sunday and just get ready to get after Boise State next week. I mean, when was the last time you played in a game? You know, it's, it's, been, it's been a while, maybe three and a half years. Do you feel like if you were called upon next week to be the number one guy, do you feel like this experience now gives you that confidence to, to be ready to be that starter? You know, I'll never forget this experience. It was awesome. But, you know, we got to keep moving on next week, and if my number's called, I'll be ready. And you were a guy that's always dreamed of playing at BYU. Just what did it mean to, to go in and a rivalry game, you know, a trophy game, and what did that mean for you? Um, it was awesome. You know, it was a moment I prepared for. You know, when it came, you know, I had a little bit of butterflies. You know, it was my first collegiate game, but it had been a moment I've been preparing for for a long time. There's Jacob Conover. Now here's Tyler Algier, BYU's running back. Uh, I checked the stats on NCAA.com yesterday. He is eighth in the nation in rushing. And Boise State, according to NCAA.com, 106th out of 130 teams. They give up more than 190 yards per game on the ground. Tyler Algier, after 
the win over Utah State? I want to say it was a great team win. Great team win. Literally offense had our back, or literally offense did our thing. Defense had our back, and then special teams, literally, it was just a great team win in general. How tired are you was the question back here. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but it was, a, it was a great team win. It was a great win. Great win. Battle we're 5-0, and but literally on to the next. What was the morale of the offense when you knew Baylor was going to be out for the remainder of the game? Honestly, we literally, I think we were fine. We were fine just because of the trust that we have in our quarterbacks, and that's just what BYU football is. Literally, if someone goes down, the next person will know the play and know what to do and literally just take over. On those long runs, when you're just getting close to the end zone, you, you had one that ended up at the half and you got one where you rolled in. What's that last few steps like? <laughs> Don't get caught. <laughs> and then I ended up getting caught at the one. I was like, damn. No, but it's, it's cool. It's cool, you know, literally just doing doing what I'm coached to do and literally just trying to do, trying just trying to get in the end zone. So, what was it like in front of the South Stone crowd today? Hostile as hell, but <laughs> it was honestly we, we we made it into a positive. You we know, literally just laughing at their jokes and all that. So I think that's what you literally if uh, we came we came here in a hostile environment, literally just took that and had what what they were saying in our head. It would have been bad, but literally just making jokes of it and literally just having that cool head. And I think that's exactly what we did today. After uh, they scored to cut it to a seven point game. First play after that, you reeled off the, the long run. But what was said in the huddle before you guys started that series? We need points. We need points. Literally, to, hey, let's go offense. You know, we need to score. We need to score. And literally, if it's three points, if it's three points is fine. But, you know, literally always always in our mind we need to score. So I think that's literally what had everyone under P's and Q's. And literally that's what we did. Through five games now, you guys have never trailed any opponent. What does that say about this team that you've been able to not only win, but stay ahead of opponents wire to wire? Well, like I said about freaking uh, Jacob Conover, I just think we're all reliable and relentless, literally. If someone comes down, literally, we're literally, like we had two offensive linemen that were down and two offensive linemen that ended up picking picking it up and literally just ended up starting and doing their thing. So, you know, it shows a lot to what BYU football is and what we're, what we're messages and literally just we're all reliable and literally that's what BYU football is and what we do. Did you guys sing the Wagon Wheel song? <laughs> you can hear it. We're playing it right now. <laughs> yeah, so we're all having a, having a blast singing the Wagon Wheel, so it's great. Did you have a favorite sign from the crowd? Like I saw BYU, BYU player shower with their socks on. I saw Gunner walking up and said, said Gunner's a stupid thing. Did you see anything that stood out to you? Honestly. Not really. Not, I wasn't really looking like that, but honestly, they were saying some funny stuff. But What is it about this team that whenever you guys get in a tight spot, maybe you know, one possession game, you guys always have an answer? What's what's led to that? What's caused that? Literally just having the defense back, you know, literally them scoring, them scoring right there, and then or even if it's the field goal, you know, we're just trying to get points on the board and literally just having everyone's back, offense, defense, and special teams is what literally what we do. And I think that's what's the, that's what's really different from the past teams and what this team is now. Today. Last two questions. How does it feel to just have a, a career night, 208, your best performance as BYU What does that mean to you? Shoot, grateful, but literally just making the old line right, making the old line right, you know, literally then they work their butts off. All my credit goes to my old line. How would you rate your QB3's performance? I mean, third quarterback of the year coming in in this environment, hostile as hell, all of that, but it seemed like Conover kind of settled into the game pretty much. No, he did great. He did great, literally just coming in, coming in from the second half with Baylor, with what happened to Baylor and literally just doing his thing, doing his thing, literally. Because all just everyone just being ready. Everyone being ready and literally 
did what he did. There's Tyler Algier. Now here's head coach Kalani Sataki. It was a fun game. Um, that was a really, really cool environment. Um, just really, I mean, it was loud and, and, and it was a lot of fun. So just a, a lot of credit to Utah State and, and their fans being loud tonight and showing up and supporting their team. Uh, just like to thank all the fans that showed up for us and uh, glad that we were able to grind out the win. It, was, it, was, it wasn't easy. Uh, Utah State gave them a lot of credit. They made things really difficult for us to get this win. But I'm just proud of our players and, and proud of the way they, they made enough plays to win the game. And, and just really, really uh, happy with our players. We're really happy with our coaches, the adjustments they made and things that they did with the, with the play calls on offense, defense, and special teams. Really happy. What can you say about Tyler's uh, running tonight, career high in 208 yards? Yeah, he got really tired. He couldn't finish the game. He's so tired, you know, but uh, just really, really happy. Um, and if you ask him, he'll he'll give a lot of credit to the to the line and everyone blocking downfield. But um, did a great job protecting the ball, um, you know, making sure that they had good ball security. I have to watch the film to see if it was perfect, but other than that, I, I really was I was really happy with the way he ran the ball and the way the offensive line blocked for him. What's the diagnosis on Baylor? I don't know yet. I I, I mean I wish I knew, I knew, but I talked to him after the game. He's on the sideline, and so. Uh, we'll see. We'll have to evaluate it uh, in the next 24 hours and then go into next week, and we'll see what happens. But he obviously couldn't come back and play the game, and we, we have to protect him and, and keep him safe. So that's – thank goodness for Jacob Conover. And, and um, you know, we, we had to play with some guys that, that – uh, some some depth. Some guys stepped up and made a lot of big plays, and just I'm really thankful that our coaches and our players stepped up and made, made, made it uh, possible for us to get the win. What in-game adjustments did your coaching staff make? That, uh... um, Jaren's close in practice, but we just didn't feel like he was good enough yet. Um, and we felt like Baylor had a better week of practice. And so just kind of trying to feel it out and figure out what's the best thing for the player, number one, and then what's uh, right for our team. So that's we're hoping we can get him back. We're hoping we can get Baylor back. We'll have to just kind of see that. What uh, in-game adjustments did your coaching staff make, that, that specific adjustments that stood out that were the difference? Well, I mean, whatever he did with the front, that, that, that worked. You know, I, I like the, I like the, that we, we relied on our front to win the game for us in the second half, our D-line. And a lot of times brought three-man for us, and, you know, and it hit. So I, what I was really proud of in winning the front was stopping the run game. That's what we wanted to do is control the run game with three guys rushing the ball. And when you can do that, you probably probably – Play some really great defense if you can do that to a team, and they they have an explosive team. I don't know how many uh, plays we we had to defend, but it was a lot. And I was just really proud of the adjustments, getting the depth in there, and rotating the guys. We made one mistake in rotation, but other than that, I thought we were able to keep our guys mostly fresh, and um, and that's a, that's a huge credit to our players, but also our coaches getting them ready. What was the message you and uh, Roderick gave to Conover going into the second half when you knew he was going to be the guy? Oh, we trust him. He, I mean, he knows that, and so. We trust him with with everything in the playbook. I think I don't know if his first play was a throw, might have been. I don't. Know. But that's like, yeah, we trust him to, to be a quarterback, not just to hand the ball off. Even though that's what we did towards the end because we're trying to grind the clock out and milk it. But um, I, I thought I thought he did a good job taking some shots down the field, and, and I thought he did a good job making adjustments and checks at the line of scrimmage, um, especially in, in an environment where it was really loud in the second half and, and a little difficult. I think we had some penalties because of it, but. Credit to Utah State's fans. They made a lot of noise and made it difficult for us to hear. Talk about Jacob coming back and getting the chance to get an interception. I know he got beat on the one pass, but made a, made a play to end the game. Yeah. Just having that opportunity. To, to Should have had two picks. 
and he should stay on his feet because he's a lot. He can cover better when you're on your feet. But um, it's the belief that, that uh, Coach Guilford and Tuyaki and Ed Lamb and them having our players. It's a, you make a mistake, you can learn from it and get back in there and, and make plays. And, and we wouldn't be able to win the game without him and without, um, you know, we had him and, and Jacob Warren replacing uh, some of the stuff that Caleb, when we lost Caleb Christensen. So uh, those guys really stepped up. I, I, I The 11 guys on the field are great, but it was the other 11 that really stepped up and made some plays for us too. Yeah, credit for them, but I was getting frustrated and getting angry, and I think they had a 19-play drive, and I'm like, golly, you know, that's, but they made plays, they went forward on fourth down, even on their side of the ball, and uh, on their side of the field, and so it was just credit to, to Blake and, and the rest of the staff, those guys were aggressive and wanted to make plays, and they weren't afraid to go for it on fourth down, and we were close, I, I liked the coverage, other than I didn't see a lot of broken coverage. I, I saw a guy slip and they made a play, but uh, they have a, a really explosive offense, and I thought our guys hung in there, and our, we used all our corners to, to cover. And they, I thought we played a lot of man coverage today, so you know, hopefully uh, we, we, I think we used all six corners, so that was good. How was the experience being uh, basically pressed up against a student section right on the sideline? Was it difficult to communicate at all? Or? Yeah, because they're noisy. They did a good job, and, 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 and it was a lot of fun, though. I, I told our players to embrace it. And, you know, towards the end, I mean, we just wanted to, I was clapping them up because I wanted to give them, give them a lot of credit for, for what they did and hope they can keep supporting their team because that, that is a huge advantage for them here. And it was just a lot of fun. I, I taught our players to have a good time with it all. So that, it was different. They were really, really on top of you there. The last question. How big was it to get off to the hot start though in an environment like that when, you know, that kind of at least settled them down a little bit because they, you guys were in the league the whole game? Yeah, the fast starts help us, um, but I like ending the right way, and we've been able to do that in, in, in our games. And so uh, we just we just have to stay consistent in the way we play. I like the way our guys are being coached. I like the way our guys are responding. We've had to use quite a bit of depth in the last five games, and so um, let's heal up and take an, an extra day to get better, and, and, and you know, an extra day to prep and get ready for Boise because they'll, they'll be ready to, to come into our house and, and play a ranked team. They, they've They've been on that side. Before. We've been on that side before, so we know. Uh, I know that that Andy will have his guys ready. There's BYU coach Kalani Sataki. They'll be going for six and zero against Boise State on Saturday. Can they get halfway through the season undefeated? I wouldn't have picked it. I didn't pick it, but it's right in front of them. One thirty, ABC Saturday afternoon, big game. All right, more in a moment. DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. PK. What? Fall is in the air, and we can feel it this morning. How could you feel fall? Because it's cold. Oh, it's not cold. It's cool. It's brisk. It is brisk. Boost my mic, Megan, would you? They need to hear more of me. Oh, I am a Megan, no worries. <laughs> not my first rodeo. <laughs> that's, that's what I... I love it. Boost PK's mic. That's what I want to hear. They need to hear more of me. Well, now they turn me on too much. Jesus, these people are impossible to please. You don't have to tell me. I never tell you anything. You don't listen anyway. <laughs> there we go. That's better. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone, and it's time to bring in Samson Nakua. He, brings, he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. They are having a season-ending special, 50% off. For Zone listeners and commercial customers, you can save water, you can save money, you can be smart. It's the Smart Rain guest line. Samson, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. You know, 5-0 here. It's looking good. I'm feeling good out here. 5 and friggin' O, Samson. Wow, man. You are the magic. Because you're the only new player who's playing a significant role on this team that wasn't on team last year. So I believe that it's solely because of you, don't you? (laughs) No way. No way, man. I'm going to do it. A little role in a, in a big, big, big machine that's happening right now, and um, I'm happy to be a part of it, and uh, helping out any way possible to get this team to five and zero right now. Does beating in state schools ever get old? You're right below their student section. I'll bet you heard some good stuff. You can't wait to tell us about. Oh man, that student section was awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I loved it, honestly. It was one of the best games and the rivalry games I've been a part of, honestly. And I didn't even know that rivalry was that crazy. <laughs> so you haven't even been a part of the program for a year, right? So you came in, and after the season, you are at Utah this time last year and all that stuff. I'm wondering, as you were involved in the team and in formal practices and then through training camp in August, what were your expectations of this team record-wise, and do you have any degree of surprise that they actually are 5-0? and um, Me and Pudu came in expecting um, to be a part of a, I mean, a team that was doing this exactly what um, we said we were going to do, um, that we wanted to show everyone last year wasn't a fluke at all that. Um, that Kalani's been building something since he got here and that um, all his hard work is uh, finally paying off and he's just coming to light right now. And, uh, yeah. In the first half, you guys were averaging over nine yards per play. Did it seem like everything worked? I mean, is the amount of confidence you have when you break the huddle just off the charts and nine yards per play, you're perpetually in second and one? Yeah, nine yards per play. Um, honestly, it all just starts with the O-line and uh, going into the huddle and just like looking into the O-line stage and just hearing what they have to say and just them telling us, don't worry, we got your back, uh, follow behind us. Um, I, I mean, once they have that confidence, I mean, everything else here so like really flows because they would have started the whole offense, honestly. So, uh They've been killing it, and they've been giving us confidence to do our thing. So uh, it's just been a beauty. And every time we break the huddle, everyone's just feeling good, and uh, we're just making it happen together. We saw, obviously, we had some quarterback injuries, and you guys were down to your third team guy, the freshman Conover, playing the second half. I don't know what's going to happen this week, uh, but if he has to play, what are your thoughts about him starting the game? I think everyone's been telling uh, everyone that um, there's no drop-offs. Um, 
we weren't expecting uh, Bailey to go down, but shoot, uh, Jacob stepped in this uh, last game towards the end of the game and, uh, you know, did his thing. We, we, now he gets a full week of practice to prepare, and uh, I know he's going to kill it. Um, I know we have all the confidence in him and, uh, and anyone that's back there. Um, so it, it, it's going to be a beauty, and uh, it's going to be a really cool thing to see him uh, have his first start this week, possibly. Samson, this is where you have to deal with the cynical media. This is where you have to tell us how it is. Because I hear there's no drop-off, and I think, well, that's what people are supposed to say. And you're not the only one saying it. I heard it in the post-game comments, too. But it was nine yards of play in the first half. It was four possessions in the first half. It was three touchdowns and a field goal. It was a well-oiled machine. And then there was a series of three and outs in the second half. And there was a big touchdown once it got down to a one-score game. So it's not like nothing good happened, right? Good stuff did happen. But good stuff did not happen at the same clip. There was a drop-off. Can one week of practice really fix that? Because I'm the cynical Um, media, and I really don't quite believe that. Um, I believe so. Um, I, I think during fall camp, we were able to see all three quarterbacks perform at a uh, at a top level. And, uh, you know, we unfortunately, you can't have three starting quarterbacks. We had to choose one, and Jaron did get the spot. But I believe that any one of them could have won the spot and uh, been great. And uh, we didn't prepare as much with Con over this past week, so uh, we had to simplify the, the playbook when he uh, was able to go in. But... Um, I know this week with uh, a little more preparation for him that he's going to be looking just as good as any of those other two. And uh, I know he's going to be ready because he's a confident guy, you know, big smile and with with a big arm. So it's going to be fun. Well, what's the difference, Samson, when you think about it, if you just turn it around and hand it off to the animal, Tyler Algier, (laughs) and have him run for 200 yards? I could do that. You could do that. (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, we'll do the wildcat. I'll hand the ball off every time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, he's just on fire. He's incredible. Yeah, he really is. And if no one's going to stop him, why, why give the ball anywhere else, man? Yeah. The whole line's fucking everyone. Uh, he's killing it. So, you know, just keep doing it. I'm willing to right. my butt off of him. And I would think that for receivers, it does put pressure on you because – if the O-line isn't opening big holes and if the back isn't, you know, breaking tackles and running away from people, well, then whether you get your block 15, 20, 25 yards downfield doesn't really matter. But because Tyler is going through big holes and he is running through arm tackles, it does matter. You can't get busted on tape wrecking some 70-yard touchdown run because you didn't block your guy. <laughs> exactly. If you... It, Ty's killing it right now. So if you're watching film and you see you're walking and missing your blocks, oh, my goodness, you are getting blasted on film. And uh, <laughs> that last, uh, the last Ty Algier uh, run, uh, the, um, that big run, you look, um, Puka had uh, two big crucial blocks to set it up for, I think, I think it was a big B play of the game with uh, Puka's two big blocks. So, um you know, with Ty doing his thing, it, our blocks are very crucial, actually. And it's going to decide whether those are going to be big plays to help Ty out or they're going to be shorter runs. So we definitely uh, love blocking for that guy. 
So you got ranked in the top 10, and sometimes you hear, oh, that's just outside noise. Don't be influenced by it. Don't let it get to your head. I actually take the other point of view, which is probably not a surprise to many, in that I think that it should help sharpen your focus because you are highly ranked, and no, obviously you don't want to lose that spot. You want to keep moving up and all that stuff. So in my mind, that stuff... As long as it doesn't make you fat and happy, gets doesn't get to your head, but actually provides a little bit more focus. What do you think? Um, I think I think the same exact thing as you. It provides a little bit more focus. Uh, I mean, we we knew what we wanted to do and we're doing it. Um, but I think one of my favorite sayings is, uh, "Don't ride the highs too high and don't ride the lows too low." And uh, you know, just stay, stay consistent, stay where you're at every day. And, uh, and that's what we got to keep doing is uh, don't overlook anyone. Uh, you know, we're doing good. Just keep doing what we're doing. Just stay laser focused on every team for throughout every week. And noticing that whoever we got this week, that's the biggest game. That's the game we need to focus on. Nothing else is this week, uh, this week and who we play. Well, certainly this week is a huge game. It's it's uh, Boise State and it's a chance to get six and zero undefeated halfway through the schedule. But you know, you started this by saying, uh, you, obviously, you knew about the BYU Utah rivalry. You're just on the other side of it, but you didn't really know about Utah State, and that student section got you going. Boise State has a little extra juice to it, and I don't know if you were paying attention. BYU went up there on the blue turf and destroyed them last year, and that didn't usually happen to them. As PK would like to say, they are going to be pissed coming into this. <laughs> I know. It's going to be fun. Um, I had no clue about this Utah State and BYU rivalry, and it was something really awesome to be a part of. And uh, now we have another cool rivalry on my hand that I've never been a part of or even played Boise. And, um, yeah, just keeping it rolling. We know what we can do and uh, just stick to our game plans and our schemes and believing in our coach and one another. And uh, I believe we can roll through anyone. So how about playing 1.30 Saturday afternoon on ABC? I think that's about the best you could hope for. That ought to get a little energy going in the team and certainly in the crowd who are going to be there on Saturday. Honestly, it's a little bit earlier. You know, we got the sun now. It's going to be a good day for some football. Um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. One thirty. I mean, I love it. I think that's perfect time. Waiting all day till 8.30, it's been and kill them slowly now. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Us too. We're old. We got to stay up late. <laughs> I know. Where ending the game at one thirty-two is killing me. <laughs> I, I can tell you right now, very selfishly, and I'm a hundred percent selfish here. The ratings on Saturday night sports shows are way better when local teams win afternoon games. That is the best case scenario. Eight thirty games going head to head with the show, no good. So make the magic happen, Samson. Partly for you, you, but mostly for me, okay? <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Samson. We appreciate it. You guys are the best. Have a good one. Samson Nakua joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Do you know You know why BYU is undefeated? I think it's coincided when they made uh, Chad Lewis a bishop of his local congregation. <laughs> 
Chad Lewis is now so sorry that he came over here and sat down. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't said anything. He smiled politely and nodded. Why does he deserve Talk that? Talk about magic happening what? on and off the field. Oh, oh man. That's now too. One morning, he just gets up and walks away. Hat trick. Hat trick. Hat trick. We're 5-0. and oh. He ain't going anywhere. He's going to play golf later. We're at Riverside this morning. But other than that. We are here. National Football Foundation has a golf tournament this morning. We are here for it. Chad Lewis is indeed sitting here smiling at us, minding his own business, and he's taking two slings and outra- arrows to have outrageous fortune from PK. 300-pounders chasing him for many years. <laughs> when we come back, Chad's going to talk about BYU. He's going to talk about the number 100, and he's going to talk about his guy beating his team. Ah, oh, the symmetry of life. Did some serious Eagle homework to get ready for you, Chad. DJ and PK, it's 97.5. And 1280, The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The guests are going to come fast and furious now. We are live, Riverside Country Club. It's the National Football Foundation's annual golf tournament. Chad Lewis is here. Jerry Bovey is going to join us in a few minutes from Utah State. And in between, the Utes Nick Ford is going to make an appearance. So here we go. And Chad, we'll start with you. And I was watching the Eagles and the Chiefs. As I was watching that game, I was thinking, holy cow, the Chiefs defense is bad. Holy cow, Patrick Mahomes is awesome. Who is Chad Lewis? And I was getting the text. We were going to have you on. Who is Chad Lewis rooting for? This is his old team, the Eagles. I don't think he roots against Philly very often, but I bet he is when his guy Andy Reid is chasing career win number 100, 100, the first guy to win 100 games with two different NFL teams. Oh, man, I'm always, always rooting for my team. Since I played there, they paid my paychecks and gave me a life. I love the Eagles. Um, definitely they need to fight out and get some wins right now. But I'm so happy for Andy Reid, what he's done for my life personally, what he's done for to see him turn around a franchise that had been struggling for a decade, longer, um, and put, the, put something together and bring, bring life back into a cool city like Kansas City. That's cool. Love Andy Reid. Love him. Love Andy Reid. He's a beast. I think he loves Andy Reid, if I have this uh, correct. I'm clear on that now. Uh, so, and I know I know you love BYU, and probably as much as I do. Right I now. love BYU. <laughs> so they go four, nine, seven, six, seven, and six. There's no indication that they would win sixteen of seventeen. Are you surprised? You know what's amazing is how they have just jailed as a team. They played with heart last year during something so crazy. That pandemic was outrageous. Tom Homoy, Kalani Sataki able to cobble together a schedule. And they just kind of went one week at a time. I felt like Tom, as an athletic director, had not only the football team in the right mindset, but the whole athletic department saying, we're going to use this as a competitive advantage. We're going to get after people right now. We're going to, we're going to do what we can to be strong as, as teams right now. What can we do? Can we use Zoom? Can we use whatever is out there so that when 
they unleash the hounds, we start playing again, we're, we're ready to go. The football team was so impressive because they did that one week at a time, not even knowing who they were going to play, even taking a game on Wednesday against Coastal Carolina, playing in the East Coast. It didn't turn out our way. They got us. But I think the whole country tipped their hat to BYU and said, hey, we saw the predicament you were in with the playoff. It was a, it was a situation you had to do, and you did it. Most other people would have said, nah, we're not going to do it. And so I'm grateful to Kalani and the team and Tom and everyone. They took it. So after those schedules, after those records, to see this team come together – fight to win very impressive and, and to me it seems like they've rallied around Kalani and he's rallied right back around them and they've kept that circle really tight when you get like that as a football organization and a culture you can become really good not because you're like outrageously talented but because you believe you keep that circle tight and you have a culture that's a winning culture he's <laughs> My hat's off to him. He's created that. That all makes sense to me, but it still doesn't add up to 16-1. and one. That Look, is so you're, you're looking at things and from a math mindset. Like I you, know, but you, you can't you, do that. It's not linear. It's but you different. did it. But here's the thing. You did something like this. Now, this is over two years, but you were on the Cotton Bowl team. Right. They went 14-1. and one. It's really hard to do. Stuff goes wrong. You get other people's best game. Injuries add up. And you're right about the math, and it's not linear and all that. Because if you'd tried to talk me into 5-0, and even after I saw the 11-1, and I would have hedged. I did hedge because PK tried to talk me into it. <laughs> I did hedge. And the thing that would have absolutely brought me down is, oh, by the way, you're going to have to start two different quarterbacks and play three. And the third guy's going to be a true freshman. I've watched enough football. I just say no. Something goes wrong. I'm going to say no, and yet it hasn't gone wrong. That's why you go back to the culture that Kalani's created and the culture that the guys have bought into. That's why when someone goes down, they confidently say, next man up. Like, we believe in Baylor. Okay, now we believe in Jacob Conover. And thank heavens for Tyler Algier because he just grabbed the ball and went absolutely bananas against what I think is a good Utah State team in a rivalry with the student section going crazy behind you. And they didn't blink. They fought. And just when Utah State would capture some momentum, here goes Tyler Algier again for another long banger. It's amazing. Were you, at the, were you on the sidelines? I was here. Pandemic, sometimes our travel parties super small. So that's how it was for this game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, going stepping back from the season, going big picture, what do you think the Big 12 is going to do for BYU? Big 12 is amazing. I think it'll take me a couple years to wrap my brain around the fact that we're now in a, a very strong conference with now we have partners. And some of those partners might, um, I, I think overall those partners are going to lift BYU because now when people take shots at BYU, our partners step up and say, you're talking about my buddy here. They're, mm -hmm. they're my partners. And so why don't you keep your mouth shut? <laughs> and I think there will be great rivalries in that conference. I think it will cause us in every sport, in every way, to step up our game. Not just on the field, not just coaches and players, but everyone in administration. That's one thing that Tom's talked about is leveling up. Like all of us, everyone, we've got to step it up and be better. And let's find a way, put the magnifying glass on yourself, clean up your game, and let's get better. I think it'll have that effect. 
on, since we're talking football, on recruiting. I don't think now we all of a sudden go and get five stars across the board. We're still going to focus on what makes BYU BYU. What has made BYU BYU for years is the blue-collar members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are the core of your team. If you lose sight of that, you're going to wobble. You keep that focus. You get the best players you can in that area, and then you you add to the best players you can get in the other positions, other areas, and you don't jack up your culture, but you keep your culture. You add people to it, and you make it stronger. That's, that's really the strength of BYU. So do you think going forward there that this will uh, maybe – how, could I, how do I say this? Basically, Stamper's been ripping off guys, LDS guys. And they're premier guys, too. I mean, they're not just bench warmers. And some of them are sons of players who played here and probably your teammates and all, as you know them. How much do you think that could stem that tide to stop that? It's a little bit – it's not a major problem, but I think it's a problem. Stanford's done a great job as a school and as a program. So if they get a recruit – over us, they deserve it. And the, the, the players that want to go there are going there for specific reasons. I think what the Big 12 does is I think it levels out some of that from the parents of recruits who want their kids going pro and realize that they've got a great opportunity to do that here at BYU. It also puts us in markets that we haven't been in before where we're, we're, we're now playing in you know Texas, Kansas, in those areas where Oklahoma, yeah. those – those players, those recruits, those families are saying, well, I want to watch my kid play football. And if my kid goes to BYU now, guess what? He's coming to my hometown. I get to watch him. I get to watch her. I'm, um, I'm part of it. So it's going to be cool to see how that affects us. So how much more pressure is there on the folks who are on the financial revenue donation side? Because I would think the price tag of everything goes up. If you have a winning coach in the Big 12, and you will because you can already see how a lot of your coaches are having success in the NCAA tournament, and you can compare it to what Big 12 teams are doing, you're going to have a lot of them. Obviously, football's got the biggest price tag. If you win in the Big 12, not just the head coach, the coordinators, position coaches, I assume Tom's already talked to you, and there's numbers out there that are going to have to be hit that are unlike anything BYU's faced before. Yeah, as the director of fundraising for athletics at BYU, I feel it, I see it, I've talked with Tom plenty. Um, again, that's going to cause me to level up and our team, and, and then not just me, but our fan base, which has been an amazing. It doesn't matter what sport you play, where you play, Cougar Nation shows up and goes crazy. A lot of times um, it's with 15-year-old BYU shirts. And so this might be a time for BYU fans to say, I, I see it, I get it, and I'm going to get a new, brand-new BYU shirt and help in that way. Now, one thing's interesting. Last year during the pandemic, Tom came out with a, with a heartfelt plea to Cougar Nation to say, you guys, we're $20 million in the hole. We run a very thin, you know, profit margin line. Uh, it's not like we have buckets of cash everywhere. Um, we need your help. And Cougar Nation responded in the most impressive way to me as a former player. I just looked out and I saw checks coming in from four centenarians that said, look, I don't have much money, but here is $50 
I've been watching BYU my whole life. I'm 101 years old, <laughs> and I love this place. And so we would go to their home or their nursing home, wherever they were, and, and we'd present them a shirt or something and say, this is so amazing. That's how I felt for through that whole entire Rise Up campaign from November to February that we did. It was, that was amazing. I'm grateful for Cougar Nation. Incredible. And that's a fact because Tom has spoken about that publicly. I think he put out uh, videos or whatever it might be. I'm also wondering as, uh, you know, your job and, and fundraising and all that, and that's going to increase and that needs to increase and continue on and on. Well, when you, when you win 16 out of 17 games, people take notice. Uh, what do you think about the, this goes beyond Tom Homo, the people above him being willing to go market value? Because I believe Mr. Sataki's going to have some opportunities. Yeah, and one thing about Kalani is he just feels like he's a better person coaching here at BYU. He loves it. He'd be even better if they offered him $3.2 million. <laughs> come on, come on, Chad. Every single one of us have taken a haircut at BYU, so I'm not saying, hey, we need you to take less money. I'm just saying... There are some things at BYU that are, that are kind of BYU. You can talk to Tom more about that specifically if you'd like to. Um, but it's not a secret. Um, I do think Big 12 will change things in that way. And, and you asked about donors and going in Big 12 and mm-hmm. price tags and yeah. fundraising. For years I've had people come up to me and say, hey, when we're in a pac, you know, Power 5 conference, I'm willing to help. And so now we're calling on those people. Saying, yeah, you got names. <laughs> uh, we love you. We appreciate all you've done. And we're really going to need you moving forward. Mm-hmm. And yeah. There's no mystery to that. Right. It's just how it is. Right. If you talk to the people who are at the U before the move to the Pac-12 and after they've been in a few years, it really is different. And it's hard to sit here and explain it and know how it's going to be different. You just know it's going to be different in lots of ways. You know, Whatever people saw in the WAC Mountain West and Independence, this is going to be different. It really is going to change things. Two things. Tom always told us, be careful what you ask for. Right. If you want to play with the big boys, guess what? Strap it up every week because here it comes. Number two, Kalani spoke to all the coaches. Tom held a meeting with all the coaches before we announced we're going Big 12. And Kalani in that meeting spoke up and, and shared some of his personal feelings about when he was at Utah going through that transition. I thought it was helpful for everyone in the room, every coach, every administrator who listened I think he's going to be a great and valuable resource going forward because of his perspective. Virginia and Baylor have already come calling and have people who used to be at BYU. And there's going to be way more of that. If you have the success you want to have. And I love it. I'm happy for every assistant coach or head coach that goes and and takes care of their family financially in that way. I think it's great for them. I love it. I think any coaching tree, any, any... like you BYU. Yeah. It's good for BYU to have coaches bounce and it go is. everywhere and yep, improve is. their situation in life. I got I've no resentment at all. I'm I'm happy for every one of those dudes. Yeah. And and it could bounce back. It could bounce back. It takes a long time, but if you watch the big storyline, it's not linear, Chad. It's not linear. Don't stick to the math. It's not linear. You watch people bounce back. It could. You're either off. doing add and subtraction or you're doing multivariable calculus, which comes around <laughs> on you. Okay, now I told you about the problems I had in Chem 1A with science, so we're going to have to leave it right there. Now you've worn out. You're welcome. That's too much. My head's going <laughs> to... Chad, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, you guys. Get him straight out there. Crush it today. That's right. Thank you. All right. We're at Riverside Country Club. National Football Foundation has a golf tournament. Chad's here to play. And we are going to talk with the Utes. Nick Ford, his weekly visits coming up. Stay with us.
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Never-ending story is more compelling than Short Circuit. No, no, stop it. no, stop. Never-ending story would win a poll against Short Circuit. Guarantee you. I can't even believe I'm putting this poll together. How do you spell circuit? <laughs> By the way, I almost hope... Do what you feel is right, I, I almost hope Never-ending story wins, because if Short Circuit wins, we're going to lose you for the rest of the show. <laughs> Show memorandum. Let's just euthanize short circuit. My guy is as upset as any time I've ever seen him in the history of the show. Why? Because we speak truth? No more short circuit. Take Johnny Five and put a crowbar to his head. He's done. Disassemble. Johnny Five. No disassemble! Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Jerry Bovey joins us now, assistant AD at Utah State, here for the National Football Foundation Golf Tournament. Used to be the AD at Weber State. Was hip deep in high school sports not that long ago. Look at your career arc. Look at that trajectory. It makes a lot of sense to no one. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you were headed for Canada. You just keep moving north. Yeah, it's going to feel like that in about a month. Yeah, you're going to be a big deal in Calgary. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, because I know hockey so well. (laughs) So you do know college football well. I know you're supposed to say the coaching staff was coming to come in and you knew it was going to go well, but did 3-0 surprise you a little bit? 3-2 now, but I I think you lost uh, arguably the – could end up being the two best teams on your schedule. I think definitely they're the two best teams on our schedule. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised. I mean, I, I, I knew the energy would be there just watching how Blake works. And uh, the day the day he came in with a, a few of his staff that first day, he's got, he, there's some magic sauce there that, that definitely has worked well in just getting our players. But we had good players. I mean, last year was an aberration in my mind that COVID, everybody blames COVID for everything, toilet paper, and, and we can blame football too. But it, it was a... Gary and his staff had brought in some good, some good kids, and they added the transfer portal. You're never very far from knowing or being good. You, you, you know, you can bring kids in, and if they fit, you can win games. So, not too much of a surprise, but yeah, I didn't think we'd go three and zero. What's Blake Anderson done to unite the community? Because I think of all the places in our state, that's really important in Logan. It is, and he he got uh, tied in with the alumni out of the gates. Actually, I've watched both Blake and Ryan come in and invest a lot of time in what is the culture of the place, uh, who, who's who been here, let me talk to him, former coaches, and then just energy getting out there. I mean, that first three weeks, he was all over the place, all over town, uh, even down here on the Wasatch Front. We brought him down and met with Aggies. The, the one thing that's unique, it's probably not unique everywhere but Aggies alum Aggie alums just just never stop loving I mean it was I guess a foregone conclusion in my mind and with my wife that we were going back at some point we wanted to kind of end where we where we started and it's a special place and so he tapped into that with a lot of energy and instilled hope that we can we can do this we've got some good players and we're adding a few elements and I think everyone got excited about the potential so while all of this was going on, the business of college football goes on. <clears throat> and I got to say, growing up rooting for San Diego State, I'm always going to follow the Mountain West as long as they're in it. And now for work, I got to follow it because Utah State is in it. And I could not figure out some of the rumors and reporting we were hearing 
Was it on target with what you were hearing behind closed doors as far as teams having a little in, a little interest I get because you always listen because college football is crazy. Don't be rude. Don't slam doors on people. But when you start hearing teams having a lot of interest. Yeah. It, 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 anytime there's a ripple, yeah. the, the ripple gets wider as right. it goes out farther. And, you know, I don't know that I anticipated we'd have a, a couple of uh, original members of the Mountain West Conference that would go looking. But, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a big game of making sure that when the music stops you have a place to sit down right and so everyone's trying to make sure that that where they are is strong and you had a couple institutions that were i mean at the outset you know the aac promotes themselves as number six and you've got greg sankey saying hey we're going to go to 12 and we're going to have six automatic bursts and so suddenly that six seed means something for that group of five that can slide in there so it didn't surprise me that you'd have that you have ADs and presidents looking for another place in the event that something blows up. I mean, they all have scar tissue from when the WAC overnight changed and there were eight institutions that had no seat at the table. So I think I think if you're not doing your job as a president or an athletics director to make sure that when the music stops you have a place to sit down, then then you shouldn't be in it. With BYU going to the Big 12, what is the future of the BYU-Utah football series? That's a good question. Uh, you know, we hope that we're in that, but but if the Big 12 plays nine conference games, which I we're hearing they will, then they've got to drop one of those those games, and so we hope our relationship's strong enough. But down the road, will they play Utah State and BYU as two of their three? I don't I don't see that happening consistently. So. Yeah. You mean Utah? Um, Utah, sorry. Yeah. Will BYU play Utah and Utah State right. as two of their three opportunities? Right. Gotcha. If they're going to do an FCS game, which it looks like they will, or most of the uh, P5 schools will still do one, that puts that in jeopardy because the easiest job would be Tom Homo not having to schedule games forever, right? <laughs> it's, it's covered. His I, golf game ought yeah. to improve now. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Either that time. or his Halloween costume, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah, he's legendary for that, yeah. <laughs> I, think so. after, I think he would tell you after doing 120 games in a decade, he's doing yeah. a break. Yeah, so, I mean, we're preparing for that. Um, the only thing constant has changed, so we hope we're in the mixer. It's been a great game for both fan bases and and maybe not every year down the road we'll see i mean we're being told right now we're going to honor where we're at and we've got a few more years on that so we hope we're in the mix that's a good game for us and i think it's a good game for them so is the mountain west looking to go in from eight to nine conference games because non-conference games with the alliance it goes back to musical chairs and dance partners not the same as a conference but for non-conference games there just could be fewer out there yeah it's uh, it's one of those things that every con- even the big sky when i was in that had talked about do we do nine and what's the magic number and it flips back and forth so i wouldn't i wouldn't guess that i would guess that that'll go back and forth even for the p5s over time um we all talk about better games better schedule um and yet football's a grind and so having some games on your schedule where you can kind of retool and and I wouldn't say take it easy, but change the narrative a little bit, I think is healthy for college football. And playing FCS games is healthy, having been on both sides of it. I, I think it's good for them, and it's good for uh, for football generally to for the strength of college football. So 
I don't know. I, I think it'll go back and forth over time. There'll be some conferences that believe in the eight, and there'll be those that turn to nine. We're talking about it, but I don't, I don't foresee that changing in the near future. We already talked about how you didn't mention by name, but CSU and Air Force leaving, go to the AAC. I'm an old Mountain West guy myself, covered them for many years, been to all those places a million times. It didn't make any sense to me, and now it seems like it doesn't make any sense to them. But we also hear that Boise, maybe uh, San Diego State, is sitting there waiting for a potential Big 12 invite, which means you could potentially lose schools on the other end. How proactive is the Mountain West in searching out schools now, programs that you may not need today, but at some point down the line, whether uh, whoever might leave and maybe venture into Texas or wherever. What's what's going on? Yeah, there? those relationships and discussions are happening, PK. I think, um, and it's changing so drastically all the time that you have to keep you always have to be looking at where do we draw from, you know, and, and buyouts keep going up. I mean, it's, it's interesting. If you want to know if someone's really with you, get a bunch of ADs and presidents together and talk about raising your buyout number, which happened a couple of weeks ago. And the two that went, ah, we don't know. We don't know if we're about raising the, well, then now you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're looking, right? So, I mean, gotcha. when the buyouts go up, now that's part of the narrative because, you know, you're going to get the Big 12 to buy to pay out their buyouts and so now the AAC has some money they can go use a, a pool of cash to try to lure people in and and the Mountain West didn't have the cash pool because we'd not gotten any buyouts so I think that's a part of it um, but you gotta you gotta you gotta keep looking it didn't make sense to me to to overreact initially uh, at what who might come from Texas we had a lot of people saying go get those other four schools and shut the AAC down well they all think they can they can get the next invite to the Big 12. So it's it's this big game of chess, and we got to always be ready. And I, I know there's teams that are ready to come to the Mountain West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did they make us better to, to make the invite? And I think that's why everyone was just kind of holding to see what it looked like. Did you know that trying to get a prom date was going to prepare you so much for your business career? I didn't. Down I line? didn't at the time, but my experience in high school was that nobody would date me in my school, so I was always <laughs> looking at the nearby school. So actually, I really prepared myself by taking a, a girls from other schools to, to prom. It helped me to prepare. For, Try yes, living yeah. in today's world if yeah. you got a teenager like I do. My gosh, you got 17 high schools of available candidates because everybody's available through your phone and social media and you try to ferret through it. Now, that's just an inside look into right. my life. <laughs> right. And what that means is you should be talking to Florida Atlantic and Florida International. No, I think Texas. I think, yeah. I think I SMU know. and I think get, get into Texas, man. Yep. There's already a history there. North Texas. There's a few oh. kids that play football in Texas, too. Yeah. And the Mountain West has a history in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those relationships are strong. I mean, it's become a smaller world yeah. in Division One, And, uh, you know, I'd like to say there are some surprises, but... There's not. Everyone's looking to do what's best for their institution, and luckily uh, for us, the two institutions that were trying to find a new dancing partner figured out that we're better looking than they thought. (laughs) (laughs) And that matters in the end. (laughs) That does. So you do have a new basketball coach in addition to a new football coach. Is the spectrum going to be rocking? Because we've seen it both ways, and quite frankly, it looks weird with 4,500 people in it. Yeah, the spectrum will be rocking. 
so we're excited. Uh, you know, the, the stadium, Maverick Stadium was rocking the other night yeah. with 6,000 students making it crazy. And now that now that the teams have changed, um, I'm sure that some students got to know BYU a little better than they knew them coming in. And uh, I, I think they had a lot of fun. But uh, the Spectrum will be rocking. Ryan Odom is a great coach. We're excited to have him. And uh, I've been to practice a few times, and, and these guys are ready to go. So I'm looking forward to getting indoors in another month and watching how it all comes comes together. We're excited that we got the schedule finally done last week. St. Mary's will be coming to town, and, and that should be a fun night for our fans to get excited about. Jerry, we appreciate the time as always. I hear them on the microphone. I think you're being called. Yeah, I'd rather stay here and talk to you than have to endure <laughs> the next five hours of a bad golf game. <laughs> it's good to see you both. Good to see you, Jerry. Stay in touch. You're the man. Thanks. Jerry Bovey, Assistant Athletic Director at Utah State. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And it is time for Hot Takes a Toast. Brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. And, of course, my computer's locked up, so we'll have that entire read for you in just a moment. Hold on for that. PK, the question of the day. Does it get any better for BYU? Zach Wilson has his first NFL win. BYU cracks the top 10 with a perfect 5-0 record. They're 16-1 in the last 17, and they're getting ready for life in the Big 12. I'm sorry. What am I missing? This is Christmas morning, Cougar fans. What more do you want? (laughs) I know what you want. Another 50. You want to hang another half a hundred, as the old ball coach said. You want to hang another half a hundred on Boise State, because that was fun last year. Nah, that's probably uh, not going to happen, but who knows? You don't know. Uh, Sure, yeah. It's just amazing, as I said with Chad Lewis here a little bit. Four, nine, seven, six, seven, and six, and now 16 out of 17. This is really stunning. It is so reminiscent of what Kyle Whittingham did when he took over at Utah. Now, he got it done sooner, uh, maybe because, you know, he didn't have the mission program as much. And he'll slap him in the head when I say they don't have the mission program because they do. So I have to add the qualifier as much uh, as far as that goes because, obviously, BYU has the most. But Utah has a significant amount, too. There's no question about that. But when Kyle got it going, what was that, the middle of his third season? Yep. That, man, they really, really took off. And winning just became so commonplace. It's like you woke up every Saturday. Oh, they're going to win. And maybe you had two or three doubts uh, in the course of the season. But you basically had nine wins every year. And now, all of a sudden, the Cougars, they can't be stopped. This is just incredible. It goes to what I had said when you were, I said that years ago when BYU was struggling, that, man, when you're in the middle of it, you think you're never going to get out of it. And then when you're riding high, you think it's never going to end. I mean, it's, it, I don't want to say it's coming easy because, as Samson Nakua said earlier this morning, this is what they're doing as far as putting in all the work and getting the benefits from it. And I think that's true. I don't think anybody just kind of waltzes into this type of success. I think it only comes – and you could put that across the board, DJ. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. If you want success in whatever, whatever it is – I don't know that we got a lot of young people listening to us, but if, <laughs> 
if we should, this is the key. Unless you've got some family money and all that stuff and you're lucky enough to be in that situation, good on you. But for the rest of us, there's really no secrets. It's harder for some than others, but there's no secrets in terms of it's all about working hard. And if you work hard, what's that old saying? The harder I work, the luckier I get. Yep, that's yeah. the saying. And that's what Samson was talking about this morning. This is a byproduct of these guys working their butts off to get in this position. And really, it is cool to see to see a program have its rebirth in a sense. And it couldn't come at a better time because everybody they're recruiting now, if they're going to be mission kids, are Big 12 kids. Yep. Obviously. All the high school seniors who plan to go on a mission out of high school, they will come back and you will be in the Big 12. And it's really set up. I, I don't want to jinx them and act like, oh, man, it's just clear, smooth sailing from here on out. But certainly, man, they are riding high. And good, and good on them. Good How on could us, life, too. How could life? <laughs> Absolutely. People don't understand that. More undefeated local teams, please. Yeah, really. <laughs> Duh. You can't have enough local teams in the top ten for me. Oh, that'd be great <laughs> if we had I'll three. Take three. <laughs> I'll take three. That would be Fan awesome. Fan base yeah. is just buzzing. Oh, I would love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how could it get better? I got to give it. I got to give it up to Scott because when I heard this, I thought it can't. These are the good old days. Just, just soak it up. It's just like lying on the beach on a seventy-eight degree day. Don't mess up anything. But Scott can dream big, and and he's right. It didn't occur to me. He says. Get into the college football playoff. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't, I don't either, it. but hey, what would be better? I know, but that's in my mind, that's not a realistic dream. And I don't Cincinnati really worry took about a, that. Cincinnati, Cincinnati took a I mean, big step. Yeah, they'd be Notre Dame. Come they on. Took a big step. Yeah. Enjoy Luke Fickle while you have him. Right. They're coming. That's the thing. The more you win, the way college football is gone, people write enormous checks. They do, happens. but if you're in the situation where you come close to matching that i mean kyle whittingham has had opportunities and he said no and and you know he wanted his kids he's so proud of the fact that his kids went to the same grade school went to the same junior high went to the same high school all of them all four of them and he didn't have to move them and now at this stage in his life he doesn't want to move right so you you've outlasted that so it doesn't take long now you ask a question how it BYU cracks the top 10. Zach gets his first NFL win. The Big 12 is looming. How could life get better? And people turn right to the rivalry. That question is not even a hint of rivalry. It's a wow. rivalry. Don't deny Every, it. Everything is a rivalry. Everything, everything is. Yeah. Here it is. Jim says, Utah fans were right. 10 was coming. It's here right now. LOL. Okay. That was all over social media once the poll yeah, came out. It's a decent, clever line. Yeah. Yeah, I put it out on Friday night, how long until they get into the top 10. I did not, honestly, did not think it would be this week. Why? It seemed I, clear I, with the scores it was going to be. Well, I put that out Friday night. Oh, no, Friday night. You didn't know. I was going to say yeah. Friday you know Florida night, you was, no clue. <laughs> no, Friday night, you don't know Florida's going to lose to Kentucky. Right, right. Arkansas losing was not surprising, and Cincinnati no, or Notre Dame had to lose. Yeah. No, you had to see the scores come in. And, the, and Florida, Kentucky was the one that, that was the big one. Yeah, they could have been at 11. Michigan winning and jumping them. Because that question was out there, and I saw some of the back and forth. Yeah. And, and somebody did say, I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody did say, that watch Michigan get a big jump with that win. I didn't know how far Oregon would fall. I thought they fell too far. If they'd fallen a little further, then you might have been nice. You thought they fell too far? Why are they behind Ohio State? Same record, and they won at Ohio State. 
Oh, you're going to have that every year. All right. Well, that's one well, spot. I mean, it's, a, it's not like it's not a legitimate question, though. I'm not I saying mean, that, that you're wrong in and, questioning that. And that's that. the one. If they were only one or two spots higher, I wouldn't say anything. If they were in front of Ohio State. I get it. You but, know, you, but still, you have that They have to fall all behind the time. They have to fall behind Cincinnati because oh, Cincinnati definitely. got a great road win, and you messed up the end of the Stanford game. You just messed it up. Nah, they got job by the ref. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the targeting and the ejection harsh. were late hit. No, I thought they were okay. Oh, you did? The oh. P.I. at the end was harsh. I thought that's guys tussling and guys wrestling. Were, yeah. And they were on the next play, too. Yeah. On the day when they throw the touchdown pass. There was a lot of hand fighting going on, but they didn't want but to throw the flag it. two plays in a row. Yeah. yeah. Well, it could have been offensive. I know. It could have been. But they, there's no way. <laughs> They're not no, going to do it. I, I don't know that I make that call in the last, I guess, the prior play. Yeah. But I didn't have any problem with the other when uh, Thibodeau got ejected. <laughs> I thought he hit him in the head. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo. Tom, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing? Well, we're good, but we're not as good as you. Zach Wilson gets his first win. The football team cracks the top ten. You're 5-0 and with two in-state wins and three wins over the Pac-12 South. 16-1 in the last 17. Tom, you got the world at your feet right now. <laughs> the question there. <laughs> Do you feel good? Do you enjoy it? Because I know you stress in the bad times. And anyone who knows you, when you're sitting there filming, asking fans for $20 million, there is stress. When you're scheduling games on the fly, there is stress. I wonder if you're enjoying the good times, because these well, are I, very good times. I mean, I know I've known you two for 20 years, and uh, I think that, the way we feel about it, I mean, everybody has their relative stress in their career, and I love what I do. Um, there are days that are stressful, but like right now, I think um, I, I think it was a great celebration. A lot of people had worked super hard over decades to make a lot of this stuff come true, and uh, we celebrated. Uh, and then we had to turn the page because we see what's facing us right now. So we have. Uh, uh, we're right in the midst of a very strong and difficult schedule and <clears throat> situations that are presenting themselves with our football team. <clears throat> and uh, then the, the Big 12, there's a possibility <clears throat> two years from now, came to true, came to light. And so we've, I mean, I really have tried to turn the page and get back to the day-to-day um, enjoyment that I feel. This is my bliss. I love I love college athletics. I love the day-to-day. I love working with the individual athletes, the teams, and the coaches. We have a coaches meeting in about uh, half an hour, and I'm fired up for it. It's going to be great. So I, I think we got to turn the page and move on to the next thing, and we'll celebrate Big 12. Uh, well, we won't celebrate it again, but we'll be in the thick of things real quick. I know you know Chris Hill very well. I can remember talking to Chris. I can also remember you and I joking when you'd schedule these games that would be in the 2030s, and we'd laugh how the two of us would be wiping drool off our faces at that point. Uh, So we'll see what happens when we get there. But Chris Hill, I remember talking to him, and he was saying that when they went in the Pac-12, it felt like it was a revitalization for him personally on the job because he'd been in the WAC Mountain West for so long. And obviously you've been in the Mountain West independent so long, and now... 
now going forward, everything is going to be new, and you're probably already doing to some of a degree right now. Do you feel in a sense of revitalization as far as you personally in your job with all the excitement that's going that's happening now and is going to happen in the next couple of years? I, you know, I really don't know if I would call it revitalization, PK, because I, I feel that um, between the transfer portal and NIL and the, the, the Constitutional Convention in the NCAA right now, you better be on your feet every day. So I think I just wake up every morning and there's a new challenge there. Um, literally, things that have, are way more intense than they've ever been. Those are things that threaten the way that NCAA, call, I shouldn't say NCAA, college athletics has played. Those are factors that are super, super important right now. So we've marshaled all our forces here at BYU. Um, the, the Big 12 uh, joining that conference was part of the plan, and it's part of this uh, equation right now. So I, I don't really think I feel revitalized. I just feel like there's a lot going on, and it's all, all pretty good. Some of it's pretty bad. <laughs> Some of it's pretty good. So this is going to be really different when you get into the Big 12 for uh, just the amount of travel going to West Virginia and, and, and UCF. Uh, the financial level you'll have to compete at will be different. How do you prepare everyone for this? I mean, some things about BYU will always be the same, but some things are about to be very different. How do you, how do you prep the whole staff for that? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Chris Hill and I had a conversation over the weekend and uh, it just was by chance, and it was a really great conversation. But we need to continue. I think I could learn a few things from how that transition came and how they did that. Because, quite frankly, we haven't done that um, in a situation where we went. Well, we did it with the, the WCC, but it, it we didn't involve football. We had independence and then the conf, our teams going into the WCC. So... I think that it'll be something that we'll all have to learn how to do it. We'll have to figure out what's right. I've been talking with the athletic directors from the Big 12 kind of casually and informally, not and nothing formally yet. But those are things that will come up soon. And I, I think that Chris Hill, who's, uh, you know, I've, I've known for many, many years, he'll be able to help me on that. I don't know if safeguarding is the right phrase to use, Tom, but what are you doing now to make sure when that time comes that you hit the ground running? Because we know Utah had a couple losing seasons in football, and basketball really hasn't taken off. They took off a little bit, uh, but then they've they've slumped to make sure that you're in the position that the athletic uh, department is basically humming along at the pace it needs to be because where much is given, much is going to be expected going forward. I think there's a couple ideas that are we're working on right now. I think the first and most important is personnel. We have to have the right people in the right places, whether it's in the athletic department or in the coaching staffs or in the you know, player personnel with all of our different teams. And we have two years of competition to be able to work through those issues with an eye on that. It reminds me, when I, when I went to the 49ers as a coach, in 1994, they had lost to the Dallas Cowboys 
for two consecutive years in the NFC Championships game. They were a really good team, but they could not get past that. And they brought in um, back Ray Rhodes as defensive coordinator. And we looked at personnel in the coaching staff in all of our individual players. And the focus of attention is how in the world are we going to beat Dallas? So if your left tackle can't beat, uh, offensive tackle cannot keep the defensive end from Dallas out of the backfield. We can't beat them. It was micro strategy. And, and that's all we did. Everything, every single thing we did all day was not about the NFC West. It was about beating Dallas. And I, I love the focus. I was able to experience that. And we've done that on a few occasions here where we have certain things that we have to overcome. Goliaths we got to beat. And it's hard. You have to focus all your attention on it. There are some things that we're looking at, right? The second would be strategy. Once you get the right personnel, then there is there are some strategic things that we're going to do a little bit different. They're, they're just different. It's because of the scope and scale of how things are. And we have to learn those because they're not like in a book somewhere where you can just go to a checklist of things to do. And then resources is the third. That's something where we have to really pay attention and be, uh, you know, reallocate our resources and be able to make sure that we do the right thing when we use this, these valuable um, funds that the donors and season ticket holders and corporate sponsors uh, entrust to us. That was a thorough and detailed answer, but in my scrambled brain, Tom, all I heard was Ray Rhodes brought in Deion Sanders. I can't wait to see how Deion's going to be used when he comes to Provo. Well, you, you, that's a very good point that you made. That was one of the things that made a difference. And, you know, we, it's, we've got here playing with certain personnel. And the question is, and the, the point that we, we've already started talking about is to focus your attention. The, the kids, we, I always believe that uh, BYU's core personnel are the student-athletes, high school kids from the state of Utah that are just true blue Cougar fans that from the time they grow up, maybe they're legacy kids from uh, their moms and dads being at the B- at BYU. And you have to have that core. We believe in that core. We've won with that core. But you have to complement it with uh, stronger and better players. So we're going to we, – we've always had complementary players that aren't from the state that have helped us in immense ways. And so we're going to have to do a better, a, a better job. We've done a really good job, a good, better, best. We've got to really pick up our um, focus and uh, evaluation and the ability to recruit kids to come in here and compete at the highest level. Football scheduling obviously has been so paramount for you this last decade, and now uh, it, it's going to be in a different manner in terms of how you're going to figure out which games you're going to keep with the non-conference and whether they go nine or, or eight or nine or whatever it might be conference games. I don't know that you know the answer to that. But what's going to be the criteria? You already announced the Notre Dame game, which obviously is a no-brainer as far as what you do to decide which teams you're still going to be able to schedule in the non-conference. Well, the first thing we do is we look at our contracts, and, and we have some many varying and widely different contracts with different teams. Those were contracts that took a long time to put together and schedules that took a long time to get together, and now some of those will have to unwind. So we're in the process of that right now, looking at each individual year 
and the games that will fit into the schedule of a Big 12, which we don't know yet. You asked that question, and it's not known yet. Nobody, right. they, they haven't determined that. But we'll, we're in that process right now. So you, you look out and pick a year, and you see that, obviously, in the past, we had to find games in September, October, and November. Now you're probably going to have to find most of your games in September, and maybe we'll find out there may be availability for games later in the uh, schedule, later in the year in football fall. So those are things that we're working through at this point in time. The answers are coming. They're not all there yet, but we're at it every day. You probably get asked all the time about how you're going to prioritize in-state games with Utah and Utah State. I can save you some time at golf courses and grocery stores. If, if you have an answer now, you could get it out there and get people off your back. Yeah, I don't think the answer is there right now, but I think everybody has figured it out that there are possibly three or four games in given years, and you look at the contract years and where they're at, where they, where you can be, can they move? I mean, that's one of the things that is a, a difficulty is right now, would those schools be able to move? And if you were to look at our schedule as an independent, we had a lot of flexibility because we were independent and we could move around. We didn't have conference rules about that. So you would see BYU moving games around like maybe a six months in, pre, in, in advance of a season, which is unheard of. We just had flexibility to do that, and we figured it out working with ESPN and Dave Brown. But now um, you won't have as much flexibility playing within a conference. So all of those things will work themselves out in the very near future. What is your bowl situation for this season, and how could it change if the team continues as it is? We are um, contracted to play in the Independence Bowl. Um, unless we were to be invited to a, a New Year's Day, New Year's Six Bowl, or or uh, you know, something like that, so okay. that's that's a that will happen based on how we continue on with the season. Tom, you're taking a little time out to talk with us because you know you got a lot of BYU fans listening and they crave answers on all these questions. But it's also National Football Foundation, the golf tournament here. You got a lot on your plate. Why do you set aside a time for the National Football Foundation? What do you find valuable about your association with these folks? Well, it really starts back in when I was in high school living in the San Gabriel Valley down in Southern California. And I was selected to that National Football Foundation scholar-athlete team. There's chapters all over the country. And what they do is they, they choose, um, uh, in the state of Utah, we pick about 11 or 12 players every year. And it's based on their, their leadership, their scholarship, and their athletic ability. you gotta, you got to be all state in order to be on that team. And I remember how I felt when I was um, selected to that team. I had put in a ton of work, and uh, our team had had success, and I was selected to one of those teams. And when I came to Utah and saw that they had that, it was something I felt was really important. Uh, The state of Utah, the football in the state of Utah right now for high school is very, very good. And I think that the college football teams have benefited from it tremendously. So part of it is just doing service for the high schools and, and for these young men who really deserve a chance at recognition. And then the second part is that I think it builds football in the state of Utah for the colleges 
And I think it builds it across the country. The National Football Foundation is an organization that honors the Hall of Fame also for college football. And BYU has um, a number. I think we have eight um, collegiate Hall of Fame uh, coaches and players. And it's a great organization that, that really focuses on amateur football, which has blessed the lives of so many of us. And so I'm in. I can do this. It's a little bit of time, but it's worth it. Tom, we appreciate a little bit of your time. We could keep you the rest of the hour, but we know you got stuff to do. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Get out there and have a good game out there today. All right. <laughs> Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280. Uh, I got to go. I just got ordered to go play golf at Riverside. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, he, he's if Tom, the boss. If Tom gives you direction, you need to take if it. You're, if your football program has won 16 out of 17, you're the boss. You're, you're flying high there. So it's interesting. It's an interesting time for BYU, and they've really got to make sure that they're prepared as much as possible so they can hit the ground running in all of their sports. We focus so much on, the obviously, the higher-profile ones. But for them, everything matters. And, you know, what what can they learn? And it's cool in a sense that uh, Chad Lewis had said Kalani spoke to the coaches because he's been through this. He made that transition. Uh, he was at Utah when they went from Mountain West to Pac-12. And Tom can use Chris Hill as a resource also because he went through it. And it, in a sense that they, they have... What's, what am I looking for? Not, more of a head start in a sense than the Utes did because there's people that they can draw upon and see how what they did and what they could have done better and so forth and now BYU I don't know that it's going to be smooth sailing either but I think they have a better opportunity to hit the ground running and they've got more time too because that other one was just a year right here it's two years so it's exciting time to make yourself be prepared as as an athletic department to go forward I mean, everybody. I mean, the fire department right now is going over to help. You name it. I assume they can hear those. They're on their way. (laughs) Yes, they can hear that. It'll be interesting because we don't know what the challenges are going to be, what the potholes are going to be. They aren't going to be the same for every sport at BYU. You know, they'll be different. There's some that are competing at such a high level in the NCAA tournament now, and you look at what the Big 12 does, you think, well, they, they might be pretty much ready to go. But even for those teams... Man, travel's about to be way different. You've flown enough. I've flown enough. It is one thing to fly to the West Coast to play a game. It's another thing to go to Texas. There are times they say the pilot tells you you're going to Texas, and it's like another hour and a half to Houston. Hey, <laughs> we're crossing the state line, only 90 more minutes, and, you know, getting ready to compete and bouncing to Florida and West Virginia and Ohio. It's going to be a different deal. And the money's going to be different. You're going to have to fundraise. Big time, yeah. just to keep pace. I expect football to be of... fine, but I, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with men's basketball. Oh, does anybody because have a higher bar to clear it, than that? It's, the, the it's men's going basketball. to be a grind. There's going to be no easy games. Like, and you know, not everybody's going to be ranked in the top five, but it's going to be much harder in conference. Yeah, but how many are going to be in the top 50? Probably it's, darn near every one of yeah, them. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And when you're, when you're playing that many quality games in a row, and you're traveling that much? Yeah. When you look around the room and you can't figure out who the mark is, that means you're the mark. <laughs> yeah, I think last season Oklahoma was eighth in the conference and got into the uh, tournament. 
Ooh, I mean, that's just not going to happen in a West Coast conference. <laughs> and that's a rough <laughs> estimate of being top 50 because there are enough smaller leagues that fill out the field of 68 that if you're in the NCAA tournament coming out of a power league, you're, you're probably a top 50 team. I agree. I think Mark Pope is up for the challenge, and I am super excited yeah. to see how that goes. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Question of the day, PK. BYU has cracked the top ten. Zach Wilson got his... First NFL win. The Big 12 is looming. The football team is 16-1 and in the last 17 games. How does it get any better than this? Shane says, well, there's no talk whatsoever about the Mighty Youth, so that's great. The rivalry. Can't enjoy your own success. Got to drag the other down. Stomp on him. Stomp. I was golfing the other day, and I got hooked up with a guy who's in town here, works seasonally, and uh, he's from Tucson. And I said something, you know, I said, I told him, I said, yeah, I went to NAU, ASU, and Grand Canyon. I said, I, you notice I missed one school there. Oh, man, you should see this rivalry. You can't believe it. I'm like, you idiot. Yes, I can. <laughs> but I also think, and, and that's par for the course, because whatever you have there, this is just, if not more intense. It's a great, great rivalry. They're always judged by... What the other guy's doing. Yeah, it's always there. Absolutely. So if I'm BYU, especially because BYU fans, if you're in your 40s or 50s, you've experienced the great times, then you experience the bad times, now they're coming back around again. And not by any stretch that Utah is experiencing bad times. I'm not saying that. It remains to be seen. Go figure out the Pac-12 South, and if you figure it out, you let me know. Because I don't know, and I do this for a living. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I can see every team, well, except for Arizona and Colorado, the other four teams, winning the rest of their games, except for Arizona and Colorado, uh, or losing the rest of their games, except for Arizona and Colorado. I mean, it's just... This is crazy, but it's not about Utah being down. We don't know. It remains to be seen. Their season still has uh, many games. But BYU, right now, you're up, so just revel in it. Even when I don't hear your voice, I hear your voice. And as I was watching Eat college football this, <laughs> as I was watching college football this weekend, and uh, you'd been talking about, hey, win the South. It's crazy. You probably mess up a couple games, and it may not matter because it could be a tie at 7-2. and two. There might be a tie at 6-3. and three. Could be, yeah. And it's happened before. And, and I was like, yeah, but you still get in Oregon. I just watched them beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. And you're like, eh, we'll see when we get there. I don't Who believe knows? in Oregon. I don't believe in Oregon. <laughs> and you can really not believe in them after they lost well, the I, I don't, I don't believe in Anthony Brown. I hate to say it. There it is. But that's always been my thing. That's I it. don't think he's a big-time quarterback. So they got all these four and five stars, but they don't have a rock star at the most important they don't. position. No, and they had one in Herbert, obviously. We'll see him tonight. Looking forward to that game against the Raiders with the Chargers. And also Verdell, the running back, he went down, and, and Cristobal said it was a serious injury. And he's, a very, he's an NFL player as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so we'll see with them going forward. Yeah, but for, for Utah, my gosh, uh, it's there to be had. There nobody. Nobody's looking like, wow, we are absolutely a team. The Devils got a nice win in Pasadena on Saturday. Okay, good. You got it. You look good. Best game you've looked in, well, throw out the nonsense with the 70-7. to uh, But I think that's literally the best you've looked 
under Herm Edwards. Now, can you sustain it? Or are you going to be offsides 22 times? Yeah. You know what I mean? They did bring that up late in the broadcast. Yeah. Well, it's true. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's true. I know. It's there But they had, had it under control in that game. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything about the next game. That's the whole thing with the Pac-12 South. Yes. Teams that look bad one week, you can't bury them because they can bounce back. And teams that look good one week, you can't put them up on a pedestal because they'll just tip over and fall off the next week. All Utah has to do is win Sunday or Saturday and then everything is rosy football-wise. They're still dealing with the trauma of the death, and there was an arrest yesterday. That's great and all, and you're, that's not going to go away anytime soon. So we want to make sure we're not, we're not insensitive to that. Speaking insensitive. I believe we're having audio problems behind us, PK. Uh, I think there's audio problems. Y'all okay? Did... <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it was a sign from up above for me to shut up or something. I'm not sure what that was about. But, you know, we don't, we're not in, uh, insensitive to the, the, the difficult nature of what's going on within the program and, and the family and all that stuff. At the same time, they have games to be played. And if they can get this win on Saturday, then everything is looking up again. And even if they lose it, it's not like it's over by any stretch because this conference is so freaking nuts. Excuse me. As I wipe my nose, man, it's cold out here. Where the, it's, what time is it? <laughs> it's 841. The sun is not over the, the mountains yet. What is going on in Provo? We're, we're at the bottom of a bowl. This is like going to be the last place on the Wasatch Front to get the sun. Yeah, it's over. It's on the course over there now, but we are... We are still in the shade, and it is really cold. So PK's well, nose let's is just, running. Let's move it to the 15th hole. Yeah, okay, now you're talking. <laughs> let's go and bring Why your clubs. Why aren't you set there originally? Come on now. We don't have extension cords that last that long. <laughs> Once the sun comes up, it'll be fine. But, yeah, what a crazy weekend in football, uh, college football. That, that, that's the beauty of college football, man. There's so many things that are unpredictable. And which make it fun. Saturday was a fun day of watching college football with all the stuff going on there. It was weird with no Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. It felt very different. It did, but at the same time for me, it was fun to... Well, anytime Oregon loses, it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) And get, you know, Stanford to get him. I love Shaw. I love talking to him each year. Uh, We've done it uh, every year but last year. And... To see them uh, get that win, it, it was fun, and you you just don't know what's going to happen. Washington State, man, got Delora back. That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't think Washington State is dog meat. I think the Utes were fortunate, and they've got them with their uh, second team quarterback. And Borgie goes out, and I and you know I've told you this a lot of times in this conference. When you the, play a team matters, yeah, yeah. big time, because yeah. you don't know who's available. I assume once we get in a couple of years, we'll have a better feel for the Big 12, and we'll say that. But you and I, we've grown up in Pac-12, Pac-10 country. Oh, yeah. So we are intimately familiar with this conference, and obviously it's I, my school, so I can I yeah. can speak to it, and I think we'll be at the same level. I didn't necessarily find Oklahoma State and Baylor entertaining, but I did watch it. I, I watched it, too, and I'm with you. I found it more a... Um more like an academic exercise. I was doing my homework because, and I wanted to get into this with both Chad and Tom, but we just didn't have enough time and there were so many other things to ask him and it's still a couple years away. But, you know, growing up in San Diego and following the WAC and then the Mountain West and the Pac-8, 10, and 12 are, are what was always on TV 
And so you know the storylines for all the schools. I know the arc of all those programs. And I know even if I haven't been to the school, I've read and heard what it is like. And, you know, what is it like to go to a game at Wyoming, right? We've all heard those stories. And a rainy night in Corvallis. What is not that Georgia? like? No, not in Georgia. Okay. So, and then you go to the Big 12, and it's kind of like, i got to figure all this out. I mean, I know a little bit, but I don't know a lot. I thought the Baylor-Oklahoma State game. What has happened to the Big 12? They're supposed to go up and down the field and score a bunch of points. We've got a bunch of teams playing low-scoring games. Oklahoma's playing 16-13 games with West Virginia and Baylor-Oklahoma State, 24-14. There were a couple early scores of the game. I thought they were going to get it going, and they didn't. It was weird. Right. There was, it was not as exciting. But then, you know, I watched uh, the Devils and UCLA. Los Angeles. Now they went up and down the field, and, and Jaden Daniels throws a pretty deep he ball. He good. You made fun of me when I said that. Oh, it's on one throw. Okay. He threw three in that game. And you see Los Angeles' pass defense. Sucks. Gives, <laughs> came into the game giving up 330 yards. I watched the Fresno game. The Devils game. didn't get anywhere near that. I watched the Fresno game. Right. No, they didn't need to. Yeah. No, so, and he doesn't always hit on the deep ball. If you he can't throw deep it, ball. if you can't pass it against that team, you can't pass it. Right, I'm with you. No, I watched the Fresno game and they got cut up. And it'll be interesting to see if the Utes can throw it against him <laughs> when we get to that game. It's still a ways off. Uh, end of the month, right? Yeah, I think it's the thirtieth. Uh, so we still got four four more weeks to go. Yeah, uh, so they were exposed. And now I don't believe in them. And then, okay, we'll get excited about them beating LSU and Fresno. Uh, what have those teams done? Fresno goes out to Hawaii. Tough travel, obviously, but loses the game. I watched that after the other one was over. I flipped right. over. And then and see, LSU. Uh, see, Fresno is fired up because of Oregon. Don't say fired up, man. That, um, like, Sounds on like firecrackers. Yeah, right, it does. Um, Somebody get a hole in one? Oregon has now played three close games and won two of them. But Ohio State was close. Home with Fresno was close. Stanford was close. You can't win, keep winning all those close games. That rarely happens. I know people call out a few teams that have done it, but it doesn't normally happen. You keep playing close games, eventually one gets you, and the third time was the charm, and Stanford got him. But a lot of people are going to play close games with Oregon, apparently, because we're not halfway through the season, and they've already had three games that were really intense in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like, like BYU's had competitive games in the fourth quarter, but they weren't really intense. Uh, they haven't been, been lead changes. No, but there was the games. Suddenly the momentum of the games have Absolutely. changed. Absolutely. And the great thing about the Cougars is that they've established themselves early in these individual games, and then the momentum changes a little bit, yep. and they have to reestablish it. And yep. they've been able to do that. They've answered the call literally all five games. The momentum changed, and I hesitated to say a little bit at South Florida because I don't think they were in danger of losing. But certainly in the other four games, now they didn't lose any of them, but you felt the tide was turning a little bit, particularly because Utah State feasted on, okay, we know we've got a third-team quarterback, and they're dumbing down the offense here. We get our offense going. We got a shot. And they did to an extent. And it was a one-score game, wasn't it? And then Algier went berserk in some of the best running back play that I've ever seen at that school. And they've had some decent running backs the last several years. And he took control. Well, that's what I like about the Cougars is that each time the game got a, a little – to what degree it's up to you. I can argue it. You can argue it. But the momentum had shifted. 
and BYU was able to establish. In that way, it's almost better in a sense, maybe it is better totally, literally, to win that way as opposed to just smoking them. Like last year, you brought up the Boise game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what, Algier busted like an 80-yarder right off yeah, the bat? Yeah, like 86 yards. Yeah, and that thing yeah. was over so freaking soon. Everybody knew it. And they were going with the third-team quarterback, the, the Broncos were. And so they didn't have much of an offense going in. And you knew the outcome was decided early. Well, with the Cougars, the outcome had changed a little bit. And I love how they reestablished the momentum. And then in the final few minutes, the game wasn't in doubt. I think that's a good way to grow as a football team. That is a very smart, reasonable take from you. Who are you and what have you done with Pat Kinahan? Knock, knock. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Coming up, Nick Ford's going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. So is Blake Anderson. Stay with us. We'll talk with the Youth Center and the Aggies head coach in the next hour. Right here on 97.5, 12.80, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If you have rooms that are hotter in the summer and colder in the winter than the rest of the house, you're not the only one. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and if your home has insulation, decent windows, and you're still experiencing uneven temperatures, chances are you have an airflow issue with your HVAC system. The good news is you don't need to replace your furnace and air conditioner to improve uneven temperatures. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Scoreless bottom of the ninth. Pitch. Swung on and lined up the middle, and the throw home is not in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win and go to the playoffs. There's your Chevy Strong play of the game. Aaron Judge, the comebacker. Now, comebackers often imply a hop off the grass, and that was a screaming comebacker. But it drives in the run. He gets his first walk-off hit of his major league career. And the Yankees are going to Boston to Fenway Park to play the wild card game on Tuesday in the American League. To Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today. 450 on the big show. And you can win fabulous prizes. PK, good final day of, uh, of Major League Baseball. Lost admits a lot of football for a lot of people, I'm sure. But uh, it's unfortunate that the Yankees and Red Sox both, both won. Only one of the four games we needed to get a four-team wild card tournament happened. And that's what I wanted. Okay. It didn't matter to me which of the four teams it is. But I thought having two playoff games to get to the wild card game, that would just be fun. 
And the only, but we needed the Red Sox and the Yankees to lose, and they both won. And we needed the Mariners to win, and they lost, and they were in trouble right away. Otani hit the homer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, the Seattle Mariner. We always talk about you know which team is calling. Like the Mariners broadcast team is like, oh, that's an omen. This sucks. <laughs> 20, 20 years of not going to the playoffs. Jeez. I got it. After you just play 162 games and there's such adrenaline rush leading up to it, and then when it's over, it's just so sudden. It's just boom, it's over, done. And then you want to go to the ballpark today or you want to go to the gym or whatever it might be, but you don't. It's nope. over. It's over. Uh, so I, I get that. It wouldn't have been a playoff. They, I think they consider it the 163rd game. They can call it whatever uh, they want. I'd have been excited. I agree. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, any elimination. Yep. You have people just, it doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter the gender. People are just balling out big time, no matter what it is, man. I said that for years. I used to love to go to the uh, Thomas and Mack in the women's tournament when we were down there because they played the men's and women's at the same place. And the, the women would go earlier in the day. And I'd go over there and watch their games because the ladies would be just acting like it was life or death. And for them in the moment, it was. And once you get that situation, it's fun to see. It's fun to watch. Absolutely. So um, I would have been excited for that. And we'll see. Then Dodgers Kershaw went out. Now they put him on the DL or IL, Forearm. I guess they call it. It's yeah. the injury that he had, and it doesn't look like he's going to play. And they're wondering if his Dodger career is over, which has been an illustrious career because he's a free agent. And, yeah, they have unlimited amounts of money, but they can't simply pay everyone uh, maximum dollars. And then Muncie got hurt. And Dave Roberts, the manager, was saying that he didn't know if he would play. Now it is the Dodgers, and it seems like they got a never-ending supply of talent, and they just plug some other guys in there. There you with, go with the payroll that they've gotten. But nevertheless, that'll be interesting to see. That thing is on Wednesday night, right, against the Cardinals. So you're getting I, the Dodgers. I, I heard a, uh, a stat. You love these types of things, and I got to admit, it caught my eye. For a team that won the World Series. The following year, which is this season, mm-hmm. they won the most games ever of a team that won really? the World Series. You're right. I do love this stuff, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it. <laughs> and they the didn't most, win the division. The most wins for a war, defending World Series champion. Yes. The following season, yes. Not totally surprising. 106 is a big number. It's a massive number. Yeah, it is. It's like 65 in basketball. But in the history of the sport, you think, oh, some loaded Yankee team that I know. never heard of 70 years ago would have done it. I know, but they, that's what they said. Yeah. I was listening, and that's what they said. That's crazy. And the Giants, they've been around for a long time themselves, and they had the best regular season ever. 107 wins. Yeah. that Those are just incredible numbers. Now, we'll see what it means, because it's sort of like the Jazz. You know, they had the great regular season, uh, but they didn't get the job yep. done the way they wanted in the postseason. And now they're back at it tonight, right? They San Antonio? Is, the Jazz uh, are, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, first preseason game. No TV for it tonight. No TV. I was surprised on that. But they got TV Wednesday. I talked to Bowler Jack uh, on Saturday night, and he was leaving, I think, yesterday. He was on the plane, but they're not doing the San Antonio game. But they're doing – I don't know how that works. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't <laughs> know if they couldn't get a truck or what. I mean, yeah. I would think the sports regionals would be excited because well, baseball just ended. Now everything goes national. Yeah, maybe the, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to compete with Monday Night Football. No, I, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know. But as long as they got Monday Night Football, I'm good to go. You are. You were right about that. That's a really intriguing game tonight. You know, the, the charges have been eh, for a long time. They got a young quarterback. Are they ready for it? And, and to be honest, Gruden's teams, while playing some exciting games, the teams on the whole have been kind of eh. So, who's for real? But it's I am calling Derek Carr, Derek Carr as a breakout season. He's been good. 
But I think he's going to be great. this is a new level. I think he's going to be great this year. Well, your Cardinals were the only team that got the 4-0. And if they're 4-0, yeah, they are my Cardinals. there was no drama. That was... Oh, that, that was, was the three biggest three and surprises. over versus 3-0, and oh, and it was a bust. Two biggest surprises in the NFL this year, or this week, I mean, yesterday. One was the Cardinals. The Not that they won, because it's the NFL. Anything could have happened, yeah. but they but won the with ease. that ease and no drama. And then the Jets beating the Titans. <laughs> that was that was spectacular. There were a lot of big plays. That was a nothing game with five minutes to go in the third quarter. And the last 20 minutes, well, and then 10 minutes of overtime, too. So, as it turned and out, Zach the last got the game minutes, ball. And the, and the owner got the game ball, but then the owner turned it right back to the coach and gave him the game ball. So that was cool. the game ball around. All right. Don't let Zach roll right and throw deep. That's the lesson out of that game. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Nick Ford's coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, the Raiders. Play the Chargers tonight. America First Credit Union bringing you the game. It's the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits. Now with the silver and black, learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. Raiders and Chargers, Monday night football, and then into the baseball postseason on Tuesday. More baseball on Wednesday with the Jazz preseason game. Thursday, we're back into another week of NFL football, postseason baseball. It's a good game Thursday, isn't it? It's all coming together. Who was it Thursday? I saw it. No, I can't remember. But it was I uh, watch it, uh, and they they advertised it. I'll have to check. For I had my NFL ticket, and I was watching it because I wasn't. No offense to you, but I wasn't very much interested in the Ravens uh, Broncos once, especially well, when Bridgewater went out. Yeah, when Bridgewater. Well, I, ha- went out I had Seattle and the Niners, and I had the that Rams was- and the Cardinals. On my NFL ticket. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, those are good afternoon. And I'm an NFC West guy. Yeah, because you know, the other game was Steelers-Packers for CBS, and I wasn't very interested in that game either. I thought the Packers were going to well, run. Well, that was they did. earlier, uh, and this was later. I was talking about in the afternoon uh, uh, because, as you know, I have some other duties I have to attend to on Sunday mornings. Uh, so it was uh, the afternoon games and the commercials. They had on the commercials the big merger. Rams Seahawks Thursday. That is a good game. You're right. That's I like where I it. saw it. Duh. I like it because I was watching. I was flicking back and forth between both Rams of those game. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were one channel apart on my Directv, and so, and they had uh, our commercials yeah. with us joining forces this, with uh, KSL. Ah, the um, I got a piece on that coming up on KSL.com on our website. Should be coming out this morning. So yeah. make sure you check it out, people. The um. The quarterback injuries just change so many things, and I think that's probably the most impressive thing about BYU start is weathering the quarterback injuries and having to play the third guy and still winning. I mean, it's different in the pros. Yeah, they had a lead, though. They did have a lead. Um, you know, grappling. Two things, a gra- lead and J- Algier. <laughs> that made, there you go. Um, because I thought that once Garoppolo went out, that was over. The, the Niners weren't coming back. I don't know that they were coming back with him either. You don't know. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I and, and Trey yeah. Lance has not been getting the first team reps, a la Zach Wilson and uh, Mac uh, Jones last night. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked okay. Yeah, he, look, he looks like he got something that game, there. That game, I was hearing your voice. You get bugged by all the field goals in that game. Mm-hmm. Your, your field goal rule, man. Just kick another. I got to added highlights here, people. We need touchdowns. I don't want to show six straight field goals. You get three field goal attempts per game, and of course the Bucks Use made them four. wisely. The Bucks made four, yeah. and, and at the end it was just. 
one team after another down to the – well, they didn't really get to the edge of the red zone on the last one. That was a 56-yarder. It hit the crossbar, right? No, the upright. It hit, yeah, it hit the upright. It looked yeah. like just like two or three feet up. It was going to mm-hmm. sneak over. It yeah. wasn't going to be good from 65, PK. <laughs> well, I don't know if the weather conditions played in it. Obviously, it was a rainstorm the whole time. You got to yeah. love the weather back east. Yeah, Buffalo, the weather sucked there. Houston without a quarterback, not an NFL team. Not even remotely. Five turnovers. Woof. Four picks. Woof. Uh-huh. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal game. It was a gift for Buffalo. Moss got himself another touchdown, so that's good. But that Buffalo rain and the rain in Boston and Foxborough for that game, nasty. Yeah, that's what you get because those places really aren't that far apart. And so you end up, yep. uh, you get a lot of the same weather. Not always, but a lot of times. It's like sometimes well, here when we're well, getting the Yankees, snow, it'll be cold yeah, in Phoenix. The, the Yankees got their game in. They were at home. And they got their game in in the afternoon in New York. But, boy, nighttime yeah. in Boston, it was pouring. Yeah, it didn't, didn't, didn't look nasty. <laughs> didn't look good at all. And it's getting that time now where, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of separation in the NFL. Still a long way to go. But oh, there's a lot see, of teams at 3-1. and one. T- yeah, I don't but, know what to make of them. But I don't know how many of those teams are surprising. There's some. I thought the, the Cowboys, I thought, looked really good. I think Doc, Dak Prescott, Prescott who I looks- doubted. Is Prescott's me playing wrong. his best football. There's no question. Seventy-five percent yeah. completion rate through four games. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Look, and his touchdown pick ratio is great. Look like a slam dunk to win the West or uh, East. I yeah, well, say. that's partly because the whole division. Either blows. way, but yeah, it's but a I factor. think they're legit. That they're not going to sneak in at you know eight and eight wins, nine wins, whatever. I mean, they're they're going to win their ten. No, I think Kellen Moore is setting himself up to take over the BYU job when Kalani goes to the state. (laughs) Kellen Moore setting himself up to turn down Boise State when that job comes open again. (laughs) You know they're going to want him back up there. They want people with ties. He's young. That job seems to come open every five years, five to seven years. As do a lot of them. Sure. But it's not like there's been one guy sitting there for, like Kyle at the U's had that thing locked down. No, because money talks, and that's the thing about Kalani. Oh, he loves it here. He loves it here. I also like $3 million. <laughs> <laughs> and what makes you think that's all he's going to be offered? I just picked that out, but you're I right. I know. I, and the thing is, and we talked about this with Chad and with Tom, and they kind of know it's true, but the fact is none of us know, so none of us can predict. But, like, salaries in a lot of places have already gone to 4, 5, and 6. And Those other places are going to go to six, seven, and eight. Kalani is not that old. If he keeps winning the way BYU fans want and hope, it's going to get outrageous. And it doesn't mean he's going to leave. He's going to do. He's. You know what he's. He is. He's. He's going to. College coaches are NBA free agents going into their third contract. By that point, you've established your good. Anybody who had, now there's no cap in college football. That's the difference. Um, but an NBA free agent, you know, uh, Gordon Hayward, he can he can literally do whatever he wants. You know, mm-hmm. when Mitchell gets to that point, Kevin Durant has had two chances to do whatever he wants. Well, he wanted to go to the Warriors, and he wanted to go to the Nets. Could have gone to the Knicks if he wanted. Do you he think with want. Kalani, if they can't quite? get the money they can give him maybe drop it down to like only paying six percent i knew you were going there mm-hmm. halfway through i was going what is he doing like oh I know <laughs> what am i doing what i just <laughs> i'm sitting here what am i doing what are you looking into my Men- mind me- yes you're scaring me yes <laughs> mentally and linguistically <laughs> jeez 
<laughs> Man, that's like uh, that. What was it, the movie with uh, Mel Gibson? Was oh it, yeah, what, that what was, women want or something. That was, that was actually <laughs> that was actually not bad. I mean, some of it was kind of campy and predictable, but some of it was actually quite good wow, was, because everybody's been in a meeting thinking something at some point, or having somebody think something about you, or you think you could read somebody else's mind. What if you could really read people's minds? Oh, you're boring. Please, and this meeting <laughs> is so boring. And if you haven't thought that in a meeting, you're lying. In meetings, well, we're fortunate we don't go to a lot of meetings, uh, but uh, certainly, yeah. But over the course of your I, I life. Got, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> like, my, the one thing that really gets under my wife's skin, because they have meetings in education, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll, ha- they'll give you a handout, and then the person conducting the meeting will just read the handout. Yeah. Like, why'd you give me the handout? <laughs> I can read it myself. We can do one Tell me other. about it, but just don't read it to me. Yeah. <laughs> That always gets under her skin. So if you want to have a meeting, (laughs) the handout augments and supplements what you're saying. It is not the complete and total purpose of the meeting. It's just to read what you've just handed me. You can tell your wife that. That that. Uh, Lee uh, Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson at 100 (laughs) decibels here at Riverside Country Club. The golf tournament is underway. And then I've got people at other tees pointing like that is so classic, Lee. That is such a lead thing to do. What's up, baby? Oh, why not? Now's the time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. 16 and 1. So don't repeat what you just uh, you put on the, the handout for meetings. That's her, that's her pet peeve. Give me something different. I can study this myself. Once upon a time in the early days of our show, we had a meeting with a consultant. After a show, and he lit us up, and then he gave a written report. To a manager who called us in, no, no notice, no scheduling, I need to talk to you, and started reading the report to us. I handled that really well, didn't you think? <laughs> oh, is that the one? Yep. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah that was... You're reading and the report. I'm a newbie, so I'm just sitting there. You're just sitting there. You're yeah. literally reading the report. You had to hire a guy to put it together because you don't know this. Don't tell us like you know this. You're holding it right in front of you. You're reading it. He literally <laughs> told us this yesterday. There is no new information here. You're just power tripping. Yeah, there was a lot of doubters in the early days. But, oh, my gosh. That, uh, that helps me. Doubt me. Doubt me all you want. I love being doubted. Uh, proving people wrong. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to bring in Nick Ford right now. The Youth Center joins us. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Nick, I'm just going to come clean right now. I told PK this a little while ago. I can't tell you how many times I go to tease your appearance or introduce you, and I almost say Phil Ford, who was a standout college basketball point guard when I was a little kid, and I don't know what my problem is, but at some point I'm going to call you Phil Ford, and you're going to think, what? Just know it's on my brain. It's not wired right, and I messed this stuff up. It's all good. All right. The Pedro Pirate, Nick Ford. (laughs) So, uh, did you watch college football uh, over the weekend, the bye week, or did you completely cleanse the game from your mind? I've talked to players. They go both ways. What, uh, which do you prefer, the, a lot of football on your t- downtime or no football on your downtime? Uh, it was a little combination of both. I really 
Didn't do too much on uh, Friday. Just cleaned the house, stayed around. Uh, then came Saturday. Um, you know, there's a bunch of crazy games going on. So I didn't uh, watch on the tune in originally. And then started hearing some buzz. So I started locking in. I did lock into the SC game. Um, but I mean, besides that, you know, it's, I feel like it's something that should be at the, um, you know, you should think about it. And it should not be always in the forefront of your mind, but it should never leave your mind. So, I mean, I, I was listening in and tuning in every once in a while, but I wasn't stressing it too much because it was a time and place for film and everything. And it was a time and place to relax and get healthy. So you grow up down the freeway from USC, and I know you've been a Pac-10, Pac-12 guy most of your life, and you already talk about the crazy games. This Pac-12 South, I am done, Nick, trying to predict it because just when I think I got a hold of it, something nuts or crazy, as you say, goes. With that in mind, I got to feel like your football team should be thinking, we got a legitimate chance here because it's so unpredictable to go down there and get the first win in the Coliseum. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at a Pac-12 right now, I mean, the not even a Pac-12, but just like a college football in general. I mean, we're one of the teams with a one one loss. I mean, not one loss, like no loss in conference. Right. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, we do understand that, and we understand we're getting the conference play, and that you know we need to really bite down and you know, go as hard as we can and empty the tank um, because we are wanting to know the opportunity is still on the table. And, you know, talking to Cam Rising and everything, uh, I think it was back in 2006, uh, Green Bay talked about turning the table. And uh, that's the same mentality we are right now. You know, sometimes you don't start off as hard as you like, but as long as that table gets turned in your favor and you continue to turn it, then you, you got to keep running with it. Nick Ford joining this youth center. So you said you watched the USC game, and I wonder if you watched as a fan and you watched the ball or you watched as a center and you watched the line play. And if you did the latter, what did you learn watching USC? Uh, I, watched, I, I can't watch football the same after, like, learning all the complexities of it. So, like, when the uh, USC uh, – I, I mainly pay attention to defense. I know we're not playing Colorado, but I pay attention to uh, um, USC's defense as well. And, um, you know, just looking at their tendencies and, you know, where people line up, how they line up, how they play, um, you know, what coverage they're in, what, what formations are bringing blitzes, a whole bunch of things. Um, you know, it's just something that always catches my eye just looking at, like, I can't watch football as a fan anymore. Even when I watch the NFL from time to time, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, man, they're, they're in cover too. That, uh, that safety doesn't look like, that strong safety don't look like he's dropping right now. Like, <laughs> We saw the uh, couple of teams put up some big numbers, Stanford and Oregon State, against USC's defense. How confident are you in your team's offense to be able to have not just success, but a good amount of success? Um, I got a lot of confidence in our team. I wouldn't compare it to you know other teams and offices because they have their own schemes, their own plays, and ultimately own play calls and players. Uh, I do know that our offense has capable players, has capable plays, and you know, our coaches are capable of calling those plays. So, you know, I, I'm high, I have high confidence that, you know, when we go out there, we're going to go out there to execute and we execute play after play and get it done. You know, we should have a productive night and, you know, there might be bumps in the road. There's going to be adversity. There's always adversity. As long as we address that adversity and get it fixed and not, you know, uh, mull around or, you know, whatever it is, just make sure that we address whatever it is and get going because, like I said, it's Pac-12 play and, 
Pac-12 played fast, so you don't really have a lot of room for a state. So I'm curious, when you start talking about watching defenses, I, I expected you to say some things, but you were starting to talk about where the safety is and cover two. And I'm, I'm curious, as a center, how much do you see pre-snap of the whole field and how much do you see what's right in front of you and the three pound, 300 pounds of beef that might be running into you in 2.2 seconds? Uh, I mean, I see a lot. Um, I usually I jog up to the line. As, as I'm jogging up, I kind of get a feel on the box. I look for the general box, how many D linemen I see, how many linebackers I see. Um, then I look up towards the safeties to see how many safeties are up and where they're running across the CR formation. Just so I get a general idea of where people are going. Um, then I get down to my stance, look back at the box, you know, call out whatever it is I have to call out. And then I look back at the uh, secondary and linebackers because a lot of the times those are the people who give away a lot of the tips and tricks for teams because they're not as disciplined as people who are in the box. So, I mean, I look, uh, look back over there. Um, so, like, for instance, I'll, like, look, and if I see, like, you know, too high – Backers are shifted some type of way in a press corner or um, drop safety or drop linebacker tilt. Like, this, there's all, like, like we call it keys to the castle, right? You got your first level, second level, and third level. And the more uh, keys you see at different levels, the higher the probability of a certain uh, blitz is coming. And that's kind of how a lot of centers think, if you ask any center. Um, who, especially who has like a higher knowledge, who looks at secondaries, um, that you, you can read a defense, and it doesn't mean you know what they're going to do, but it pretty much puts you in a place where if you've done enough film study and you know you've seen a lot of tendencies, you are uh, trying to get a feel for what's going to happen. Offensive line at Utah has been so critical to the team's success over the years. A number of guys have gone in the NFL. And one of the things you hear coaches and players say, it's about consistency and you got to work together. It's important. You don't rotate as much as you may do on the defensive side. How consistent in the lineups do you think your offensive line is now? Because you've had some guys that have been in and out. Uh, I think it's pretty consistent. we got our own line. We're going to run with it. Uh, we did well this past game, not as well as we like. Uh, you know, we strive for perfection. We're never going to get there, but you know, our goal is to get there. And uh, we're, you know, looking forward to improving from how we played Washington State. Uh, we're taking steps, but we need to start taking strides. What's the number one thing that you need to improve on Washington State? When you say take strides, what are you looking at before the next game? Uh, just everything in general. Just, you know, be having a, a well-versed knowledge in the playbook, having uh, good fundamentals, having a good band. Um, it's not necessarily that it's bad play. Uh, we just need to be more cohesive and consistent because the boys know what to do and they know how to do it. We just need to continue to improve on that. So it's like, you know, when you ride a bike and you're a little kid um, and you take your training wheels off at first, you know how to do it, but, you know, you fall down. And that doesn't mean you don't know how to ride the bike. That just means, you know, you're struggling a little bit. You know, you're on the right track. You got your wheels off and you're going to continue on going. And that's pretty much what it is. You know, we're on the right track. Uh, we got everything. We got our knowledge. Got our, you know, our body knows how to do it, and we just need to improve from that point. It's a little wobbly, but we just need to continue to improve to get that straight line going. After the, all the emotional devastation that the team has been through, is it good to get back to any form of normalcy? Uh, yeah, it's always good to be normal. I mean, even you know when it has to do with COVID or the passing of our two players. I mean, 
you want to get back to normal as soon as possible. Um, you give your condolences. There's a time, you know, for um, mourning, and uh, that's, you know, completely normal. Um, it's a human thing to do, and you have to at least space for that. Otherwise, it messes up your mentality and your mental. And um, so, you know, you have your time to mourn, and you have time to give respect and thanks. Um, but, you know, sadly, life moves on. And, you know, you, you live out dreams uh, for people who couldn't, and you also you know, what, take whatever adversity is in your way and make the most of it. Um, because if you sit there and, you know, don't, uh, you just let it continue to dwell over you and have a cloud over your head, it's, it's really going to affect not only your play and uh, whatnot, but, I mean, on top of that, you know, even though we're football players, we're humans too, so then it'll affect your school, your mental, your family life. It'll start affecting your actual life, which a lot of people don't consider. And um, that's one thing that the coaches harp on and that's one thing that I myself harp on especially for the younger guys who really haven't been through much is that you know understand that football you know it is a lot but it's like a catalyst it can put you in places but ultimately you got to take care of your mental and take care of yourself and uh, so it's really good to have that normalcy and you know we had our time to mourn and now so it's time to get back on track Well, Nick, you sound very wise, and I'm sorry that you have the life experience at such an early age to have such wisdom, but you've got it. So Yeah, for sure. Thank well you. said, well spoken. Sorry you've had to go through all the stuff you've had to go through to get it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all good. You take it with a grain of salt. I mean, some people go through it. Some people don't. Some people grow up fast. Some people, others, you know, you don't. And it's not nothing to hold over anyone's head, you know, like, Oh, you're acting like a child or whatnot, or you don't know the lessons I learned. It's more about teaching and making sure everyone's all right and, you know, passing that knowledge along. So that way someone doesn't have to experience a tragic event or a struggle. So that way when they see it and they're prepared for it, and, you know, it's just better for them in the long run. And, you know, it just helps everyone out. Nick, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you after the USC game, you're going to have to get more tickets, man. First San Diego State now. This oh, yeah. Is... I already got about like 20-something. In there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you and go. We're going to keep climbing. All right. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank you. Nick Ford, Youth Center, back to Southern California for another game. Thanks for including me. I appreciate it. I'm sitting right here. Why not we appreciate it? You had a microphone. You can say I appreciate it, too. I didn't want to speak for you. Why not? You're the guy who takes us in and out. You're supposed to. Nice team player. Nick, if you're out there anywhere, we appreciate (laughs) it. You just made a guy miss a putt on seven. I probably did. (laughs) All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yak, I was yelling and missed what you said. What was that? (laughs) Oh, just hurry up. Okay. Nothing specific. Shut up, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right, coming up next, Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. They're heading into their bye week, and we will talk with him next. Stay with us. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Never-ending story is more compelling than Short Circuit. No, no, stop it. no, stop. Never-ending story would win a poll against Short Circuit. Guarantee you. I can't even believe I'm putting this poll together. How do you spell circuit? <laughs> By the way, I almost hope... Do what you feel is right, I, I almost hope Never-ending story wins, because if Short Circuit wins, we're going to lose you for the rest of the show. <laughs> Show memorandum. Let's just euthanize short circuit. My guy is as upset as any time I've ever seen him in the history of the show. What, because we speak truth? No more short circuit. Take Johnny Five and put a crowbar to his head. He's done. Disassemble. Johnny Five. No disassemble!
Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined right now by Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. Aggies headed into their bye week after the back-to-back games with Boise State and BYU. Coach, good morning. Good morning. So, Coach, we have talked to you multiple times this year, both after wins and losses, where the game you saw on the sideline wasn't exactly the game you saw on film. Sometimes it's for better, sometimes it's for worse. And I'm, I'm curious, after you watch that BYU game again, if you think the same thing you thought when you were talking to the media Friday night or if you've tweaked some of your evaluations. No, it's about what I thought I saw on the field, just a big physical team that, that kind of manhandled us at times. And we tried to use our speed and quickness to to dig our way back into it and got got it to a seven-point game late in the fourth, which is really all we, we ever expected. Kind of, you know, We knew it was going to be tough all night. They're built really, really well. They're huge, physical. That's why they won the games they've won and the way they've won them. But uh, you know, we we use some tempo, we use some speed, some quickness out in space to to battle and, and got it to a seven point game. Just super disappointed that we we had a bus that that gave up a huge run and, and just put it out of reach for us there late. I'm encouraged and discouraged at the same time. Encouraged that we were able to play the way we did against them. They are right now just so much bigger than us, really on both fronts and honestly on the basically everywhere on the field, even out on the edges much bigger much stronger we got to recruit and develop uh you know to 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 really kind of close that gap uh we just um you know that's something that's going to take a little bit of time but also super encouraged about how our guys battled to get it to a seven point game be right where i thought we needed to be with you know nine minutes left in the game Uh, i thought that our conditioning and just kind of our speed and quickness might be enough down the stretch but man they they're just big and ran over us and, and get the big run, and then we, we just weren't able to mount uh, the comeback late. So you talk about that recruiting. I'm not sure what the rules are these days because things have changed, but is this an important time for you with the bye week to send your coaches out? <laughs> yeah, we'll get on the road this week. You know, a lot of it is has been done, but, but this is that, that week that you have time to get out and actually go watch a kid play in person, swing by the school, check on grades, Maybe watch some kids in person that we're still making decisions on. Still trying to fill in some gaps in the recruiting class. Now that we know our roster a little bit better, uh, you kind of know in spring, but you're playing yourself. Now that we've played some quality opponents, just seeing where maybe the holes are for next the next two seasons uh, in situations maybe a, a freshman in high school won't necessarily come in and fill those spots immediately. So we're we're trying to uh, to make sure that that moving forward. We've got a great group of young guys we can develop, but also maybe some uh, plug-and-play type opportunities as well. And this next few weeks will be big in that area. So with the transfer portal, how much is that changing recruiting? Or you don't worry about the transfer portal now, you go and recruit the best guys that you think are right for you, and then you just figure out the transfer portal stuff later. How does that work? Yeah, the transfer portal, I don't think that picture is real clear right now. You know, guys are still playing – I think I think you know most of those kind of decisions are made late in the year if guys are going to stay or not. We're just trying to fill the best class we possibly can, and and obviously we'll keep our eyes open to see if if we see a a guy that we do think can come in a veteran player that can maybe impact us at a position that we're either a little bit thin or maybe injury or graduation is going to hurt us. But 
you just don't know those you don't know really those answers right now because most people are just dedicated to trying to finish the season. Uh, that that'll change. Uh, I think as the season comes to a close and some guys are, are seeing maybe the handwriting on the wall that that a, a new environment maybe uh, stepping down a notch or maybe even some guys stepping up a notch uh, that that it creates a better opportunity for them. So we'll we're just gonna have to keep our eyes open as that develops. I'm wondering, Coach, how the junior college transfer athlete uh, plays into all this as far as recruiting, because obviously that used to be a critical component, but how much has it changed now with the transfer portal as far as getting junior college kids? Yeah, I think some people are still taking them. The trend uh, has gone away from that, although in the last five to seven or so years, uh, you know, we, we did take some guys from the Kansas Juco's on a yearly basis at Arkansas State. A lot of them were quality players for us. We took a couple here. Uh, but but it, the, the transfer portal has changed a lot of people's philosophy uh, just because they, you know, they, they would rather go with a guy that's played at this level at least right. enough to know the competition and the speed of it, the academic aspect that comes with it. You know, junior college kids, you know, most of those are, are there uh, trying to just kind of get up to speed academically and, and – that's not a that's not a challenge that everybody wants to deal with. Um, so I, it probably has hurt that that area of recruiting at the Division One level. I still think there's a lot of one AA and Division Two opportunities for the junior college kids, but maybe not as many at this level as there has been in previous years. Utah coach uh, Utah State coach Blake Anderson joining us here. I'm I'm curious. Uh, you know when you're three and zero and you're flying high and you lose a couple games, obviously it's going to sting. At the same time, I'm wondering if you just lost to the two best teams on your schedule and that it gives you a read for the way the rest of this season can go. I don't know how much film you've watched going forward, how much, you know, Wyoming's off to a great start. They're winning a lot of games. I don't know if you watched the film to really break that down. How much do you buy into all that line of thought and how much film have you seen to, to back it up or – you know, I think what we 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 knew that the schedule was obviously front loaded with the Power Five opponent, Air Force, always quality football. Obviously BYU and and Boise both their their records and their their traditions speak for themselves. I mean, I do believe the league. As you look, anybody can beat anybody, I, and we're not going to out athlete anybody. But I do think we'll match up a lot better second second half of the schedule than we did first half. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that would say we'd have been one and four at this point. We're sitting here three and two. So in that sense, there's some positive energy coming out of the first half of the season. I mean, going to Washington State and winning, going to Air Force and winning, those guys may not lose another game. They're playing super good ball. Um, I, I think there's a lot of positive that we can drag from it now. We're frustrated about how the last two weekends went, but I'm way less frustrated about Friday night than I am the Boise game because I felt like we played – really good competitive ball most of the night with a lot less mistakes. And we played a quality op- opponent that hadn't lost many games in the last two years. I mean, 11-1 last year and 5-0. and So, I mean, you can you can take away a, 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 from a quality opponent loss as long as you play good ball. And I feel like that translates over to being a, a very competitive team over the second half of this season against conference opponents. That'll look a lot more like us. Now, we still got to go out and play, and I haven't watched them all live close. But but I think I got a good enough feel for the league to know that if, if we play we play good ball with high energy and, and and can reduce mistakes, 
there's there's a lot of wins left on our, our schedule, and who knows if we might be right in, in the mix of this whole thing when, when the smoke clears. We saw that Bonner went out. I think it was non-contact, correct me if I'm wrong. Which is, how's he, uh, how is he doing right now? You know, I think he'll be fine uh, by the end of the week. He's a little sore today. Uh, he got kind of, I don't know, kind of a push and a throw at the same time, a little bit of a hyperextension. Everything looks structurally fine. Uh, he, he felt better today than he did uh, on Saturday. Uh, he's a tough guy. He, uh, it, a little bit it comes back. He, he took a big shot early in the year against Washington State. It's on that same leg, so he just kind of – some of it's a little bit bad luck. But I would expect by, by the time we really get into UNLV prep uh, later in the week or early next week that, that he would be ready to go and you would expect him to play. Utah State coach Blake Anderson joining us right here. So you've got um, – I, I mean, just to put it in the simplest terms, you're not going to face another Tyler Algier, are you? I hope not. Goodness gracious. That dude is uh, a load. And, and not to mention he's got one of the prettiest offensive lines up in front of him anyway. So huge shouts. I hope we don't come across that combination again. Uh, it was obviously a challenge, and we did not do a great job of, of slowing him down with exception just a few handful of drives. But, I uh, mean, he built, built so well, and they do a good job with him. And, he got loose when he absolutely had to and, and put it away for him. So I, I would like to think we'll we'll match up a little bit better moving forward. So this was your first in-person opportunity to have an in-state rival, especially at your stadium, and that was kind of cool because you can feel the energy there for sure. Uh, what are your thoughts about playing BYU going forward? I, I, I love that game. I mean, I know it's a challenge for us, and with them moving into the Big 12, you know, we would only assume that it would help their recruiting but uh, I, I love the in-state rival. The, the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable. Our fans, our student section, this place was rocking. Uh, you can see our kids get up for that game. Uh, it, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge I think we all look forward to. And to be a part of that kind of game is what, uh, to me, that's what college ball is about. And, and very few people really get that. Uh, I tell our kids, man, to cherish it and enjoy it. And we'll, hey, we'll, we'll get our wins. It'll be a challenge, there's no doubt. I, I get it. But we just need to recruit and develop. This is year one of, 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 of a lot of uh, a lot of work, and, and we're okay with that. So uh, I told the fans, and, and I believe it, just be patient. That, that, that game will be one that we will all look forward to each, each year, and, and I, I'm glad we have it. I, I would much rather have that kind of challenge with an in-state rival than not get to have that opportunity. So I'm curious, you mentioned the student crowd. Did, did you lobby for the benches to change sidelines, or is that just a coincidence that it happened the year it showed up and the year you showed up? Uh, if it, if uh, it is a that, coincidence, that was who a lobbied That was a decision that I, I, I posed to uh, our AD, and he agreed. He thought it was a good decision. I just feel like that, you know, I, I want our guys on the home side. To me, that's the press box side. I want – I want the opposing team to have to listen to our student section for three and a half hours. and I want our student section to enjoy game day. And I think part of that is that's what kind of, like I said, high school and college ball is about. I mean, when you've got a student section like we do, man, that's a weapon. That's the 12th man. So it was a move we wanted to make. And, and I think uh, I think the student section has loved it. Our guys have, have enjoyed it and see the value in it as well. Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes as always and uh, enjoy the bye week. It's a different kind of week in the middle of the season. We'll talk to you again in another week. Thanks a lot. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. There's Blake Anderson.
Head coach at Utah State, Tyler Algier. I hope not. Oh, I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. Kid ran for, what, 200-plus yards? 218 yards yeah. and three scores. Oh, yeah. He, he just It's amazing. What a great, great story. Walk on, linebacker, running back, linebacker, back to running back, and now, yeah, running back, NFL running back. NFL running back, right? Yeah. Absolutely, man. Good for him. Put in the work. That's what I've been talking about. That's what we talked about earlier. Put in the work. I don't care what it is. Put in the work. You're probably going to see the results. Maybe not to that level, but you're going to see good enough results. Got to stay with it, man. It's all about work. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Yeah, it's a Monday, and it's nearly in the books for us. Time for your feedback. Just getting started, man. I'm hitting the gym in 10 minutes. BYU cracks the top 10. You'll be in the car on I-15 in 10 minutes. <laughs> BYU cracks the top 10, and Zach Wilson gets his first NFL win, For and the Big 12 is looming. that. How could life be better? He has an appointment at 11 o'clock. He's completely full of it. How could life be better for the Cougars? It, it really is good times for the Cougars. And you said it a long time ago. Man, when you're in the middle of bad times, it seems like they'll never end. And when you're in the middle of good times, it seems like they'll never end. And then all you have to do is be bored on the road as a sports writer and open up a media guide. And now they're all online. So you digitally click on a media guide and you see how teams have great runs for two or six or ten years. And then it all goes bad. <laughs> Looking good now, man. It's good now. So how long can you make the, uh, make the magic last, right? Not make it happen, because the magic is now clearly happening. How long can you make it last? Randy says, that was a nice list, and don't forget the win over the three teams from the previous Conference of Champions, LOL. <laughs> yeah, but see, if you're denigrating that conference, you're denigrating yourself. And that is why it makes no sense when 10,000 student sections chant overrated at the team that has just been beaten. No. Why do you chant that? You're downgrading your own accomplishments. Yes. I would think, I don't know this, I, I, but I would think that most BYU fans would have been pleased that ASU won. On Saturday, because then because they move in. have a win over a ranked team. <laughs> yes. Because Baylor just got beat, so now they're not a ranked opponent. Right, right. And that was the big knock last year. No, I get Utah. Screw Utah. I get from the BYU perspective. Rivalry. You don't want them to win. You'll although, take the hit, even although, if that happens. Although, if that's the difference between getting into New Year's Six or not, wouldn't you want Utah to win? If that's the difference getting into playoff or not, wouldn't you want Utah to win? And still people are saying no. Yeah, I but I think Utah with BYU, I don't know how much benefit they would get because if the Utes go on a, a tear here, mm-hmm. they'll just say, oh, well, they changed quarterbacks. That yeah. was. So BYU got them before they made the change. Whereas the Devils, they're riding, they're going, they're riding, swimming or sinking with Daniels. Yeah. He's their guy. He's their guy. Right. So root for them to win the rest of their game. It just, we finally got something in common, BYU it would, fans. It would, it would just suck. <laughs> root for, for the Devils. It would just suck for BYU if they have this 11-1 season and people go, ah, yeah, but their schedule. And then the next year they got seven Power 5 teams and they run through it and you win their however many games. And people are like, yeah, but that schedule's not very good. All those Power teams are down. <laughs> That'll suck. <laughs> right, but there's a decent chance that either Utah or ASU will end up with a good record. There is. 
One of them's going to, if not both. So. Yeah. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, let's see. We got other people weighing in here. Darren says, "Oh, you should have added Taysom Hill running for two touchdowns to that Except list." Except they lost. They did lose. Now those are cool runs. I'll give it the to you. First but there's run. nothing he can do on a football field okay. with his legs that surprises me. Yes, but you got to admit the first one. Four I guys hit him. I got it, but he's him. freaking Taysom Hill. I know. He's thick. He's strong. He can run. But when you get hit by four guys in the NFL, you usually go to the ground, and he didn't. And the way his team ran over to him, they were so pumped. I got it. it was but cool I believe run. in that kid's legs. I agree. Like I believe in Claudia Schiffer's legs. Hey, oh. <laughs> I had to do something. Sure, Come on. Why not? <laughs> and I don't know why I thought of her legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eldon Randall says this. I like BYU being ranked, but I wish BYU wasn't ranked that high. Why? Eldon, you're crossing is, me up Is here. Eldon not a Utah name? Is anybody outside the state of Utah named Eldon? How many Eldons are there in Arizona? Zero. Ah, uh, outside of Mesa. Although, when, <laughs> I was at the, when I was in the school of broadcasting, uh-huh. there was a guy named Eldeen Bennett, who was the, the uh, chairman or whatever, the yeah. head of the department, and... Everybody who called him Dean Bennett, he dropped the L, so they called him Dean Bennett, and they thought that Dean was a title. <laughs> it was just <laughs> Dean Bennett. No, it was De- L. Dean Bennett, and <laughs> that's awesome. That's the, awesome. The L. Dean, yeah. the ironic portion I'm, of it. I'm not a dean. I'm just a department chair. But this, <laughs> since, my, since I got the name Dean on my birth certificate, and I think I know how I'm going to play my cards here. And he was a Latter Day Saint. Oh yeah, yeah. L. Dean. Yeah. Yeah, there got to be some Eldons in Nevada, Wyoming, Idaho, and Arizona. Got to be a few. Okay, the most Eldons few, reside in our gotta state. Got to be a few scattered around the Intermountain West. I wouldn't say California, no way. <laughs> no. I'm drawing the line there. <laughs> Mike says, that's a great list. Just wait until BYU reaches the Final Four in April of 2022. Oh, jeez. Could you imagine, Rebel? He dropped dead of a heart attack. Dave says that's <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Folks, if you didn't hear this, PK, we have Rubel on last week. Greg's on in advance of the BYU-Utah State game. We had he and Scotty on. And, and you ask him, uh, how many uh, Sweet 16s do you think there could be? <laughs> and there's this pause. I'm going to decline to answer that question. If you haven't heard it, it's totally worth. Go to our website, 1280thezone.com. Search Rubel. The interview will pop up. It's totally worth hearing. The pause was hilarious, and then the answer, he doubled He's down on it. He's a good sport. But he was. in his defense, the Lone Peak thing never took off because no. Mika was gone. and Yeah, they didn't really they didn't get an opportunity to play. But if he were to make that statement now, yeah. I, I, would, I don't know that I would totally back him up. It was hilarious. But I think they got a shot, man. It was very funny. Pope is a charismatic dude. I am so intrigued to see what he's going to do once they get to that level and, in a couple and, years. And the Big 12 is loaded. That, that, that league is Who just wouldn't want to play one, hoop in a Big 12? One good program after another. Yeah, big time. Packed arenas every game. That would be awesome. Dave says, this is all nice. I just want to win against Boise State on Saturday. Okay, coach. A loss to Boise State <laughs> would be a big old letdown, 5-1. and one. It would. Now, they got beat by Nevada, but Nevada's got a great quarterback. I think he's an NFL quarterback, and... So I don't discount that. Maybe Boise doesn't have his best team. It's has three losses. Two but, and three. Uh, but, you know, they've been against quality teams. So I don't think that Boise's – and this is a rivalry game too. 
So Boise's going to come in here fired up, and we'll see what the quarterback situation is. You know, I knew Romney was going to start last week. That's why the stuff on, uh, wow, sources say Baylor Romney's going to start. I thought it was given he was going to start, but I don't necessarily know who's going to start yet this week. In fact, I don't know. Last word for the show goes to Bradley Tufts, who says, BYU wins a conference title before Utah, irregardless of the Utes' decade head start. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> uh, the rivalry. Conference title. The all rivalry right. and all things. Not a division, but a conference. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, that'll do it for us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to everyone here at Riverside Country Club, the National Football Foundation. Tom Olmo for coming on and speaking eloquently about his almost lifelong, going back to his high school football playing days, uh, linked to the National Football Foundation. That's going to do it for us. Hans and Scotty are up next.